It's like this little dirty little bass line. I don't fucking care. Can we move on to a new segment, please? Welcome to Just Two Fans, a sports show about sports. Obviously. About life. Because sports are life. And about just whatever the hell we feel like talking about. So, uh, let's go. What is up, everybody? What's good, y'all? I'm Jamie Friedlander, live, in person, with Eli Johnson. That's me. You can probably tell by the echo that we're in the same fucking room. And... Guest host this week, Cameron Hunting. What's going on, boys? Nothing. So, Cameron, last time you were on the show, we did a little tin cup action. Yeah, that's right. The oh. only time you've been on the show. Yeah, the commissioners of sports movies. Yeah, yeah we got to bring that back. That was fun. We do. We missed our chance because I took the month hiatus of when we usually do that shit because sports are slow. True, yeah. You had to go, like, move into a better house, <laughs> yeah. a better location. Do adult I also house. had to switch jobs and move yeah. cities. Yeah, it's been a weird year <laughs> for us. It's okay. You know, we're back. It happens. We're back. Uh, Chris is not with us today. Um, he's no longer with us. Wow, that's like I'm kidding. No. <laughs> real fucking dark. I just wanted to I just want to let that breathe for a second. So the listeners like, did Chris die? <laughs> no, Chris is fine. He just couldn't make it tonight. He actually has a job now and he has to work sometimes. And he has to like do this for a living rather than us just farting around with microphones. Yeah. And farting around poorly. Sorry, Jasper. <laughs> Uh, Jasper's our editor, if you guys don't know. He's fantastic. Uh, if you wondered why the audio quality of our podcast has gone up exponentially, it's because he's been doing that for us. So you thanks. up until this week. Well, no, it's, it's, here's the thing. It's going to sound good still. You're right. He'll be able to suss through uh, yeah, like, he'll, he'll be, the nonsense. Yeah, no, he'll be, he'll be fine with this. Uh, hopefully he, although i'm probably gonna text message when i send him these files it's like i quit man you do it you're on you your guys. own good <laughs> luck you were here's the, the worst. thing here's the thing uh shout out to jasper for doing this uh here's the thing bud this is the crucible my guy yeah. you have to deal with echo and only two recorded tracks because i can't figure my shit out like it's fine it's all fine you know he'll get it that's how it goes he'll get it. he's good at what he does so so thanks for doing that but uh we're back we're and we're in person yeah. Which is weird. We're in Portland. Cameron and I are in town for band reunion because we're a bunch of nerds. Bunch of fucking nerds, dude. But it's going to be awesome going to the football game Saturday. It's going to be hot. It's going to be unbelievably be hot. hot. But here's the thing. <laughs> we're going to get some shade. I might bring a bucket hat. I might buy a bucket hat. That might be my purchase. I always purchase something when I go to a duck game. Might See, I have hat. a bucket hat, and I almost brought it, and I was like, it's black, although the hat I also brought is still black, so that doesn't really solve yeah, anything so at just, all. So really, you played yourself. But, <laughs> I mean, 100 degrees is 100 degrees. Bucket hat's not going to do shit. It's going to be fucking hot. Um, it's going to keep my neck nice and cool. That, that it will. We're also going to be in a tented tailgate. That's the move. We're going to be tented. Maybe maybe we'll get a little. Maybe we should bring some like misting fans. Get some misting of those. fans. There's a TV in there. Damn. Yeah, we're doing it up. Doing it up. Fancy kids. We're we're, we're just like moving up in the world, man. We are moving up in the world. Oh, good um, for us. Good for us. So yeah, that's what we're doing this weekend. But a lot of sports to talk about this week. We're gonna get into college football. Obviously. Obviously. We're gonna talk about some baseball. 
Cameron's on the show, and he is majorly into F1. So we're going to de- dive if you thought, deep. If you thought we were getting nerdy over F1, Cameron is going to hold your beer. Is that that's a saying? Hold, yeah, it didn't mean Cameron's going to say, "Hold my beer." Yeah, hold but I like him holding your beer better. Yeah, listener, I got your beer and your <laughs> F1 nose. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it, and we will do a modified brief NFL preview. We're not going to di- dive deep, kind of like we did with the SEC and Big 12 last week. It's going to be down dirty, who you Nasty. like, who you don't like, what to look for, kind yep. of preview. I like it. I like it. So that's what we're going with. But we're going to start quickly with a, a short little snippet of college football, mm. which means mm. that first we have to do... Cameron, you got me on this? Not Don't do the jingle... Because that's my thing, but you have to do the Chris part of the jingle. Have you been listening? Here's his litmus test. <laughs> have you been test. listening to the show? <laughs> Ready? Beer of the week. Yeah. Good job. I had to well go done. through all of the first 10 minutes of knowledge that I have from every episode before I start <laughs> skipping around. Yeah, I get that. That's that fine. You can right. skip around. That's, and that's what I do. I'll like put on an episode and go, okay, intro. Sometimes you guys lay it out on what you're going to do. Trying like, to do that more. I'm like, all right, 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Oh, then Chris is 20 minutes in about the NBA while Jamie's pooping. Go to the next section. Yeah. And then usually there's like three minutes of F1. I'll listen to that. See how wrong you guys are. And then by that time, hey, man. You know, I've and then there's Christian. three and a half hours of college football. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If not four. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're not going to dig into what happened to college oh. football last week yet. Dude, you just moved right because, Yeah, yeah just, we're doing beer of the week. Jamie. Dude, I'm way off my game here. I'm it's like okay. sitting no, it's on the couch. That's why I'm here, because I'm home. I'm holding my mic. I'm like, This is weird for me. <laughs> no, I got you. I okay, got you. Go. So, beer. Beer of the week. Um, I kind of want you to start. Okay. No, we're going to end on you, because this is a big moment for yes, us. That's fine. This is a big moment for the show. That was the first five-star beer we ever had. So, what I have... This week is um, a product of Belgium. I don't really see a brewery. Ooh, Van Steenberg. Yes. Yes. That is awesome. And the, the beer is called Pirat Belgian Ale. It's a, it's a little cap. So I'm going to play ASMR. That was, that was good. Nice. That was really yeah. nice. That was, right. that was impressive. I really wish I heard that on my headphones. I know, right? right? Well, just listen to the episode. Uh, You'll get a good one. Yeah, exactly. Jasper, turn that up for us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Van Steenberg. Well done with your ASMR. Here we go. Let's get a taste. Woo! That has a lot going on. Um, In a really good way. It's like pretty fruity, which is weird. I'm getting a lot of fruit. It's fairly sweet, but it also has that like quintessential ale taste. Like I could see this being a very favorite beer on a pirate ship, which is which is on the this is a pirate ship on the on the bottle on the label. Yeah, so I could see that. I could see where they're going with this, and they nailed it. Four point two five. Nice. Solid beer. Solid beer. I would absolutely get this again. Cool. All right, guest, Cameron. All right, so I am having the Northwest Red Ale from Stout. It's like Stout, but with a P. 
for the, okay. for the brewing. They're out of Seattle. Um, never had it before. Cool looking can. So let's see if I can do this with two hands. All right. Nice. Go right in. Pretty good while holding a mic. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It's a, it's super smooth. Um, even out of a can it still has kind of like that light, but rich head on it right at the top. Mm, yeah. Um, good red ale taste, but not like overpoweringly red. I mean, you know what taste I'm. It, yeah, yeah, I get yeah, you. So it's kind of mellow on that. Uh, 4.1. 4.1. All right. That was like, that also, he's the even, way you described that was evocative as fuck. He's also going with the Chris scale yeah. of beers. The random point decimals. <laughs> Jamie and I have been very clean on our like 0.25, like 0.25. Intervals. Every quarter interval. And Chris is like 4.1378. Did you just Fucking do pi? Nerd. He did. Okay. Yeah. He's right. the nerd he for sure. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm counting with you. I'm yeah, glad you're you getting come. there. You're getting there. Okay. Yeah. Now, Jamie, the moment we've all been waiting for. All right. This is the beer that I've been searching for since Eli did it. A year and a half ago. A long time ago. A long time ago. This is from Anderson Valley Brewing Company. Please sponsor us. Please. Please do it. Please. We love you. This is Briny Mellon. We're doing it. I'm so excited. So I, I kind of hope you absolutely fucking despise right. this beer, though. <laughs> See if I can... Slow, but it was nice. It, it, went, it, went, it, it went in one stage at a time, and I right. like it. There's a lot of pressure on this. I'm just here to stare at you intently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. That is good <laughs> I stuff. I fucking told you, man. <laughs> so you know I love sours, so the yes. chances of this not going well were pretty slim. Yeah, of course. To begin mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is unbelievable, right? It's just not I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's like not perfect in any way. It's not overly sour. Like it's not a perfect sour and it's not a perfect fruit beer. It's just like the perfect blend. It's a it's the, the most balanced beer I've had maybe in a long time. And it here's the thing to me that like really puts it over the edge is it really it tells you what it is and that's exactly what the fuck it is. Yeah. It, it yeah, tastes like a brined yes, melon. That's the that's the best way. To, that's the best way to put it. It is what it says it is, and it does a fantastic job of doing it. Yes, I'm so happy that you finally got to drink this beer. <laughs> it now question. Well, I'm glad it lived up to the hype. So, yeah, it's five stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, air horn, air horn, air horn. That is. It's one of that the best is, sours I've ever that's had. That's probably the best sour I've ever had, which is saying something because I really like sours. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, just like so happy. Again, not overly sour. It, yep. it tells you what it is. It's a briny melon goza. It is literally what <laughs> I Okay, drinking. listener, if you want to know what it tastes like, think about what a brined melon would taste like. So like as a sour beer, as a sour beer. And the, bam, there you go. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's it. 100%. <laughs> oh, it's really... Have you had this, Cameron? Uh, no, but we have 
we have 11 unopened ones in the apartment. <laughs> you're gonna, so you I'm sure I'm having I, one tonight. I saw, so we went on an adventure to go get them, and I saw two six-packs of it, and I bought them both. So As, as you should. Yep. Uh, anytime I see it, I, I buy as much as I can, essentially. I mean, I've literally been looking at, for this in Colorado since you told me, and I can't find it. Well, now you've had it. Oh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. Oh, the 18 month release of that. Don't give me that look. Here. That is delicious. All right. Gross. Get your head out the gutter. Don't wink. I made it worse. <laughs> oh, with the mustache and everything. <laughs> Yikes. We need a video component. <laughs> we really do. Need, this would be a very no, bad video. We've got like so my dining room chairs over here. We've got like the TV with our rundown. Yeah, it's really on. Not like, it's not a good situation. It's not. But all right. We got the beers cracked. Beer's cracked. We're, We're going to do a little college football teaser segment here because mm. we're going to talk about college football twice today. But we wanted to start the show with the news that we have changed the sports world yet again forever. Forever. Good for us. God, we're, we're just so it. fucking awesome, guys. Fucking killing it, man. We're so awesome. I Cameron, like, stop shaking your head. I just knock it off. You know, I just wonder what. <laughs> other podcasts feel like when they can't get changes done you know it like must i just feel be bad a terrible i feeling. know just like ugh, like it's just like you just feel like your your whole existence is pointless and here we are changing just, the world just making the world a better place day by day <laughs> i to be fair <laughs> literally like this news came out and he, and what we're talking about listener is that college football playoff committee is approving a 12 team playoff uh, originally when this announced it was going to start in 2026 they are now trying to move that up to 2024 which is fucking dope because i don't ever understand why these things take so long to implement side note um when this news first dropped like espn did the like college football playoff committee proves 12 team playoff my sister immediately sent me a text and was like is it this what you guys have been talking about for the last year yes, perry knows man <laughs> yeah so no you're with so it. you can shake your head all you fucking want we know we also shit. got larry scott fired <laughs> See, i'll give you that one <laughs> we also got mark emmert to step down yeah i'll give you that one too thank you and now we got a 12 team now playoff. we got a 12 team playoff but expanding the playoff has been like a topic 12 teams that was what we agreed upon you did that's eight right months ago yeah and because i know that you know it's been talked about since they're like since they came out and said it's going to be four teams so they went um no why? That, why? Is, that is half the solution yeah, yeah. <laughs> like let's not and then you know there was six where the top two get automatic buys that was and, one of ours we we, we were that was kind of we like between six and 12 well and the six was kind of you know this is an option with a very slight change. Yeah. Where the top two don't have to play an extra game. Yep. And then, you know, eight was, you know, power five champions and three at larges. And then, you know, how would that work? And then now, so 12 is kind of like, it's a little flavor from everywhere in college so football. So good. So, dude. Dave, what's the breakdown, Jamie, for. Like the proposed 12 teams. So that's what they don't know. And this is why they're trying to get it done by 2024 is they're trying to iron out who, how to determine those 12 teams. Is it truly just a committee again, determining the 12 teams is, do you have automatic bids? So they're trying to iron out the details is what's I think personally, I think with the size with 12 teams, you have to have 
a couple automatic bids. I think what's the point of having power five and group of five if you're not going to give the power five automatic bids? I mean, honestly, what's bids? the point of having conferences? Like, it, I mean, you have to have from, division. From, you have to have divisions and shit somehow. Yeah, but I mean, like, if there, if it's just like if a committee is just deciding on the twelve best teams in the country. It doesn't oh, really matter. For sure. Yeah. For sure that doesn't Your matter. conferences and divisions don't for matter. For sure that doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's I think I think they absolutely especially with the size, like eight teams like having the power five and then three uh is like it was a little too small to have like fully like this is power five and then the rest of you can go. But with twelve teams, you have the power five and you have seven other spots. Yeah, and I mean this was always gonna be, you know, power if you did power five champions and the next Next three are the three highest get an at large. Yeah. Or now, you know, the seven highest get I mean, large. With this, Someone's always going to say, well, what about this next team? So there's not like a perfect, you no. know, 101 team yeah. round robin tournament that just <laughs> is the season. <coughs> That'd be kind of dope. Well, but. you lose, you lose the <laughs> yeah. quadruple elim- elimination to make that around. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, there was always going to be a, well, this isn't perfect. What about the rest of these teams? But I'm glad that, you know, there, there could be a way that, the champion conference champions matter. Yeah. And then everyone else that, you know, maybe you take second, but you're ranked higher than your conference champion. So you get an at large while they also get in um, kind of situation. Yeah. And- the way I see this shaking out, the way that makes sense most in my head is you get the power five conference champions automatic, bid. automatic, bid. no questions asked. Like the, like the, like March madness automatic bid. Also, I'm fully for getting rid of divisions in the conferences cuz Pac-12's talking about doing that, getting rid of the north-south thing. It's done. Um, well, because USC and UCLA left, but yeah. they were going to do that before they officially left also. Yeah. Um so I'm fully for that. Conference champion automatic bid. I also think the highest ranked group or yeah, group of 5 school gets an automatic bid. Highest ranked group of five conference champion gets a bid. Yep. So, like last year, that would have been Cincinnati. Yeah. So. And, and even then, like you can do the highest ranked, uh, like you can do the highest ranked conference champion. And then you could even do another group of five highest ranked after that. And you still have four more spots. F- yeah. Five more spots, right? Uh, Five more spots. Five more spots. Yeah. That's an insane amount yeah. of spots. So you can do two group of five or just say it's the top six conference champions because that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Right. Top six conference champions and then the next six at large. And if one of those happens to be a group of five, cool. They're in. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with there being two group of five schools. I'm for it. One of another conference champion from the group of five could not get the automatic bid, but could very easily be in the top 12. Yeah. NBN. The best thing about this, and I, I've seen this thrown around a lot, and I think Joel Klatt was the first to like break it down on his podcast that he just started, because of course he has to do a podcast, because he doesn't have enough in life. <laughs> he has to take some from the rest of us. Um, Bastard. <laughs> um, Coming for you. If you retroactively go back to 2014 when the college football playoffs started, 10% of college football has made the current playoff structure. Right. That is an, an insanely low number. Yeah. Like, could you imagine in college basketball if only 10% of the teams? Well, had I made mean, March there's, there's what, 125 Division One programs? Something like that. There's right around 100. It's like, might be like 128 or something yeah. like that at this point. That's 
12 to 13. Yeah, it's 12 teams. Yeah. Have made the since 2014. In any other sport, that is not the case at all. Unacceptable. In fact, in every professional sport, it's 50%, almost across the board. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's what drives interest in sports. So you want to talk about why teams like Colorado and shit have a hard time getting any traction with a football program. They haven't been there. Yeah. 2016, they would have been in the playoff. Colorado would have been in the college football playoff in 2016, and you can't tell me that that program's not different if they can say they had a college football playoff. Absolutely. Appearance. You I, can't, no, absolutely. Yeah. I can't. I can't. You're, you're 100% So right. if you, retro, if you go facts. back to 2014 no and say tw- tw- the top 12 teams get in, 33% of a third of college football would have made the playoff. That's, I mean. It's massively different. Massive. It is, yeah, it's massive. It, I mean, and, and I was looking at an ESPN article when this first dropped, and they were kind of talking about, like, the retroactive, like, it, I, I loved going through this, and it was talking about the odds, uh, like, retroactively from, like, 2014 each year of the college football playoff if it was 12 teams. And there was not a single time where the percentage of the top four seeds making it to the semifinal round was more than 10%. Right. Think about that. It's good fucking it's football. Good. That means that means Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, the odds of all four of them making it to the semifinals is like between I, I guess I think there was one that was like fifteen percent. Um, but like still fifteen percent chance of all four of those, that means you're getting good football, you're getting good upsets like Parody, baby. <laughs> I was going to say, when's the dirty six-letter word on this show coming Parody. up? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite edit moments where I just like, I did like the, we were talking about, we, we fucking went on for 45 minutes about parody. <laughs> and I edited it down to like a 30-second clip of like us starting the argument. And then I said one eternity later. <laughs> and then like the, the end of the argument. Um, but yeah, it's like... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's great for the sport. I mean, oh, it's phenomenal. Just kidding. There's anyway, nothing bad. I mean, about you can't this. tell me last year, like Baylor couldn't have made a run on someone. You can't tell me that. Nope. Uh, yeah, and I won't believe you if yeah. you do say that. And, and like you, you look at that, and like yeah, like once you get down to like fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, it gets a little money. Like even at twelve, like Dude. are they really going to beat Alabama at twelve? Maybe. Shit happens in college football all the Shit fucking, fucking time. Happens. Texas A&M beat Alabama last year. Like, you can't tell me, you cannot tell me that another top 12 team couldn't beat Alabama. Yeah. Are the chances good? No. No. Are the chances good that Tom Brady's going to lose in the Super Bowl? No. But he still does. Yep. That's the thing is like, yeah, like, Alabama's going to lose. Yeah. They're going to lose a playoff game in the next five to ten years. Yes. They're going to do They're it. They're going to lose a first-round playoff game. Yeah. And, like, it's just going to be just one of those crazy upsets that happens, and it's going to blow the world to pieces, and we're going to fucking and love it. And it's going to be insanely entertaining yeah. for everybody. Yeah. You're going to get the Iron Bowl, the the one where the kick-six Iron Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Where Auburn had no business winning that game. No business. No business winning that game. And here we are. In, a, 12, in a 12-team playoff, what, watching Utah run... Through that, like last year's Utah team, would have oh, been yeah. exciting. 
Absolutely. Yeah, like, absolutely. They could have made team, a run. That yeah. team was strong. Yeah, especially at the end. Like, I don't I think people were kind of sleeping on Utah last year, mostly because they started off really slowly. Really yeah. slow. They started off really slowly, but by the end of the year, they were easily one of the best teams. Did in the they country. hit their they almost beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Arguably should have. Arguably yeah. should have. Arguably should have beat Florida this last week. Yeah. They were hitting their stride. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, like, you can't tell me that these group of five schools can't go in there and do well either. I mean, look at, go back to 2007. Could you imagine if Boise State, Oklahoma was a playoff game? Oh, my God. I got literal chills. That would have been good TV. Chills. It was chills. good TV as it was, as the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Could you imagine if that was to go to a semifinal? Also, holy we, fuck balls. That's yeah. insanity. <laughs> but we also could have, you know, put to put that uh the UCF um thing to bed early with UCF them national championship. National thing. championship. Or or they would actually or they would have actually gone through. But here's the thing. Like, so it's, you, look it's at, you get so much more that can happen, especially because college football, I mean, you know, you've got it's a week to week thing with players. And because it's so rough, you've got people who can or can't or can't, you know, physically or health wise, make it the distance through a playoff. So you've got teams that are going to start managing that, that aspect yeah. of who's going to be able to make it all the way through. So are you starting some people or are you planning for the end, hoping you make it through? And then you'll have like these power five teams that are just like, fuck it, send them all. Yeah. Like we're starting everyone until we die. Yeah. And like. I totally lost my train of thought. There was something else I was going to say. What were we talking about before that? UCF. 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 Oh, let's talk about, like, you You can like, think about the year, what was it, 2012, I think, when uh, Notre, was it Notre Dame, Notre Alabama Dame, that year? Alabama. Mm-hmm. When Oregon was clearly the best team in the when, country. Yeah, when Oregon was clearly top two. Clearly. Yeah, when LeBron James tweeted at halftime, can we fly Oregon? Yeah, yeah. Oregon yeah. would have been there. Yeah. We would have had a better, like, we wouldn't have had a drudging in the national championship. We would have had a good game. You still may have drudgings in national championships. Like, this is not going to eliminate blowouts in bowl games or playoff games. It's going to lessen the chance. Not not even that. It just adds the possibility of somebody getting there that's not, like, like I said last week, the problem that college football has to casual fans is... I already fucking know who's going to be in the playoff mm-hmm. with 90% certainty. Yep. At least three of them. Yep. That's the thing. We can get three of them right now. At least two of the three. If I gave you three names right now, two of those three are going to be in the playoff. Yep. I almost fucking guarantee it. Yep. So and at least one of them is going to be in the championship. Yeah. And probably will win it. So, you know, that's tough for any casual fan to like hop on board to college football. It's really hard to get into it. Um, why is the NFL so popular? Because you haven't had a back to back Super Bowl champ in 20 some odd years. Yeah. And you want to talk about parody and we talk about the Patriots dynasty, they never went back to back. Yeah. Never once. And all those six Super Bowls they got, never once was it back to back. Mm hmm. There's something to be said for not going into a season with not endless possibilities, but not knowing the outcomes. Yeah. And so uh, this isn't anything but positive 
in my opinion. And there's, um, if they can get it done by 2024, that is just so good. Yeah, that'll be impressive. Uh, it needs to happen. They need to do it. Yeah. I mean, really, the devil's in the details. That's what this ESPN article said. And yeah. it's absolutely accurate. You need to get it right. You don't want to rush into something like this because I feel like that's what they did with the four-team playoff. Didn't really think it through. And so let's get it right. But the formula is there, and it really shouldn't be that complicated. The rub is going to be the power five is going to want to not care about the group of five, and the group of five is going to want more input. So that's where you got to iron iron it all out and figure it out. But I'm excited because this is awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. In the spirit of changes coming up in sports. Ooh, ooh, this transition. That's a solid segue. It's my man. Let's interrupt it by pointing it out real quick. (laughs) We do it all the time. (laughs) I know. I listen that much. Major League Baseball (laughs) Competition Committee is voting on a bunch of rule changes tomorrow, Friday. Today's Thursday. We're recording. Tomorrow is Friday, and that is when they're voting on this. So when this episode comes out, it will probably have already happened. But what they're voting on is a bunch of changes mostly related to pace of play. And I'm just going to preempt this by saying I don't know how I feel about this. So I have not heard these changes. So this will start a discussion. But uh, here's here's the changes they're voting on. A 15-second pitch clock with the bases empty and a 20-second clock with runners on base. Uh, Two disengagements from the rubber, including pickoff attempts per plate appearance. So the pitcher can only step off the rubber twice once he's stepped on per plate appearance. A requirement by hitters to be in the batter's box and quote-unquote alert with eight seconds to go on the pitch clock. Hitters are allowed one timeout per plate appearance. Only two infielders will be allowed on each side of second base with all four required to be on the dirt. So it's eliminating the shift. Infielders cannot position themselves on the outfield grass before the pitch is thrown. So you can only have three players in the outfield grass. And bases will increase in size from 15 inches squared to 18 inches squared. I get the ba- I get the bases. That's fine. The base thing's fine. It's a safety issue. Um, I like some of them. I don't like some of them. Uh, I think there's a, like the the two the two pickoff thing. I don't like that. Two disengagements from the right. I don't like that uh, because that's going to be taken advantage of with steals all the whole time. Yeah, I think that's bullshit. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna they're gonna step off the rubber twice, and then people are gonna <clears throat> run sign gone. Those of you, both of you, have been to plenty of baseball games with me, and you know how much I hate booing pitchers for pickoffs. Mm-hmm. Part of the game. It's a part of the game, and you don't boo your pitcher when they do it. No. So what the fuck yeah. kind of hypocrisy is this? <laughs> yeah, I just like I feel like that's one of those things where. It's what they're going to do is they're going to try to bait the pitcher into stepping off twice, and then they're just going to steal because he can't do anything after that. No, I feel like when they steal, he could. If they're running, if he they're could. running, he can. It's not like trying to pick him off on a leadoff. Yeah, but still, you have a lot of time there. Still. I mean, you you can extend your your leadoff from you know a few strides to a couple more. 
So you're within reason. I mean, it's also like if guys are really trying to bait pitchers into picking them off, they're going to get picked off more too. Yeah, true. True. Because that's what happens when you try to get really cheeky on the base pass. (laughs) You fucking get caught. Fair point. So I I think it's dumb because it comes from a, a, a fan's um, misperceived idea of what takes too long in a baseball game. Yeah. Pickoffs are not a problem. No. Just period. They're not. And even if a pitcher does it five times in a fucking row, that's not what makes baseball games take too long. This is my problem with all of these rules. None of these things, except for maybe the pitch clock, are going to drastically improve the time of the game. Because what makes baseball games take way too fucking long is commercial breaks between each fucking half inning. (laughs) Yep. That's the problem. If you truly wanted to make baseball games shorter, you do a commercial break every inning and a half. I mean, but that's losing money. They're never going to do that. So I think the compromise, we've seen it in some games. We've definitely seen it in other sports, especially golf, where they they go to like the picture-in-picture for commercials. So you're still seeing the action mm-hmm. and you can do it, you know, at, you know, half innings or, you know, after the side where there's, you know, people are running off and on. You can throw a commercial on the game's still on. You're not, you know, you're not doing a two and a half minute cut where it doesn't yeah, the fact that. The fact that people not like more ad space has gone through picture and picture is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, because people turn away, like they click away, they go see what other games on. If my game's still happening, regardless of what, you know, where it's at. And what's happening? And there's a little commercial, but my game is still visible. I haven't lost attention. College yet. football needs to do this too. Like, yeah. you're, you have held my attention by putting the event I wanted to see on the TV, and now you get a little ad space and maybe a little sub- subliminal messaging that I need to go look for a couch later. Also, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> also, like I, I don't know where it when it started that between each half inning, a pitcher had to go out and throw fifteen fucking warm up pitches. That's just not a thing. It that never used to be a thing. It's a product yeah. of TV timeouts. Honestly, it's not needed. Like pitch, you do not need to fucking go out and throw another ten pitches before you actually start facing batters. Baseball games used to take two and a half hours at most. Mm-hmm. I remember because they would just yeah. go out and throw and play baseball. Yeah, you don't need to wait. You, there, you do not need a three minute commercial break between every half inning. I mean, right there, that's 18 commercial breaks at three minute, three minutes a piece. And that's not even including pitching changes and shit that happened in the middle of the game. So, I mean, you take you cut that number by a third. Now you're talking about substantially changing the length of a baseball game. Yeah. So if you're truly if that's what you're actually worried about then that's what you would change. But yeah. that's not what they're actually worried about. No, no, no. They want to give the illusion that they're... And again, there has been success with this in the minors. They've done it in the minor leagues this year. They did the pitch clock thing, and they have noticed that it's shortened the games by 20 to 30 minutes, something like that. Oh, I'm sure. I've seen pitchers but, take their sweet golly fucking time. But also, minor leagues don't have commercial breaks. Yep. <laughs> now you're watching that on a local, like... Janky TV yeah, station with a couple of high Bur- school kids. Yeah, down in it. Birmingham. Like, yeah. Yeah. On now, channel sure, 20 in Birmingham. Like, yeah. I don't think they care about their. No, I'm sure bit. the Savannah Bananas have their own network <laughs> and they're getting all the views. But people watch that game for fun. So they're probably not even getting commercials. 
but yeah, what you're saying is definitely um, right on that. That's that's where kind of the evil lies and how long f- baseball has gotten. Yeah, yeah. I, it's these are just kind of non-starters for me. Like I don't really care. Pitch clock's cool because I do think some pitchers take too long. Yeah. Um, it, it, any of these rules when they start doing this stuff, I just feel like they take it too far. Yeah. Or not far enough. Like they're like, this is easy. Don't fucking mess with the shift. Who cares? If somebody wants to shift, shift. That's a part of the game. Yeah. What you're talking about changing with the other stuff, I understand why. There's a perception out there among especially casual fans that baseball takes too long. So we need to try to fix that. I understand the rest. Changing strategy and shit, that's stupid. It makes no sense to me. Agreed. Yeah. Non-starter for baseball, in my opinion. Now, what I think they're probably thinking is the long ball sells, right? Runs sell in baseball. Offense sells in football. There's rule changes in football that lead to more offense. Yep. They are trying to make it so teams don't go back to playing small ball because it doesn't sell. Probably. That's what I want to fucking watch. I want to watch somebody else Here's smart the thing, though. somebody else. We're seeing a bit of a shift in football. Yeah. People want to see great fucking defenses right now. I mean, you and I do. Cameron probably does because I think he's enough of a football fan that he understands what he's watching, right? For the most part. Is that the one with the egg-shaped football? Or, you, <laughs> or the one that's I'm, like I a... I could mute your fucking mic, The dude. one that's like a that's like round with a I checkerboard on it. I'm just like, going to unplug your microphone before we even get to F1. So is that a yes or a no? <laughs> I'm confused. Cameron knows enough. All right, listener, he's being a shithead. So I, I guess this is probably a better question for you because Eli and I are fucking crazy about football. And you're you're... You like watching football, and you watch a lot of it. Yeah. But I wouldn't say you're as into the nitty-gritty. Would you agree with that? Um, I think I am consciously aware of a you're lot probably, of that. I don't, you're I'm not probably gonna, like, more than a dive. casual. Yeah. You're, 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 not, casual. you're not sitting there going, they're running a Tampa 2. They're running zero coverage. Why are we running a C with the tight end? So, no, I'm not, not doing okay, that. Okay, so you're not there because <laughs> yeah. that's where Eli and I are a lot of the time. Okay, so... Do you enjoy watching a defensive struggle in football when when truly good defense is being played, not necessarily bad offense, but when a team's out there playing truly good defense? Did you oh, yeah. enjoy I, watching that. Georgia last year? Yeah. Yeah, I love um, that side of it. You know, when I first started watching football, you want scores. I want touchdowns, and I want, you know, touchdown dances. I want all that shit. But now, like, Having seen more and getting more into, especially when I started going to Oregon, like that's where it really started and how much I paid attention. Now watching a defense just absolutely shut down an offense and have every answer and take advantage of them. Like the Oregon-Georgia game last weekend. So like, (laughs) yes, in a way, (laughs) but that did hurt. But no, so. Yeah, watching defenses just completely take advantage of an offense and beat them into submission. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I love so that. I think I think for um maybe slightly above casuals and then us, we love that. But yeah. I also that's why I love the strategy of baseball. I'm a baseball nerd. Mm-hmm. 
and I love the strategy of baseball, and I grew up with the strategy of baseball. So I love watching guys outsmart the other team. Casual fan doesn't. They want to see home runs. Casual fan still in football doesn't really understand strategy or understand how impressive it is to play good defense wants to see touchdowns because that's what's exciting. That's what sells. Yeah. Turnovers. I guess I don't really know like that many, like just like purely casual fans. Oh, I, we don't hang out with them. That's what I mean. <laughs> they, they don't hang out with us is probably the yeah. better way to put it. like, I don't like watching football with you. <laughs> you are insufferable. Please stop. Um, so, I don't know. I, it, it sucks for me with shit like this, which is why I keep going down these tangents, just because like the nature of the sport is going away. And yeah. it, dri- it fucking drives me crazy. Yeah. Baseball needs to just understand that they're not going to be the NFL, and there's no way that they're going to eclipse the NFL. It's fucking impossible. Stay in your lane and do what you're good at, which is being baseball. Yep. If you try to be the NFL, you're going to fail. Yeah, I mean miserably. If you're if you're trying to bring in NFL fans, fan like casual. If you're yeah, if you're trying to bring in fans who are fans of the NFL. Like in that, like, fuck, yeah, casual fans. If you're trying to bring in casual fans, you're just not. Not by doing this. This isn't the way to do it. You need to just lean into what you are. You will bring in more, and if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be fine. But if you try try to expand and you try, like, and, and I think Chris has said this on the show before, change for change's sake that alienates your core fan base is a total non-starter. Well, it's not even it's not even that they're just changing the way the game is played. They're handcuffing the game. Yeah, they're handcuffing. They're it. making it one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's what it is because you can change the game in a good way. Yeah. But like I mean if they if they like they somehow found something that could change the game but make it way more fun to watch on TV. I don't know how you would do that, but like let's just hypothetical world. They find a way that they can change the game, even like kind of down to the core, but it makes it far more entertaining to watch on television. Because I love baseball. It's hard to watch on TV still because you don't see any of the strategy, really. Um, and so like if they can change that, that's a change for the betterment of the game, even though it changes the core a little bit. If you if you handcuff these guys, so the game is just completely one-dimensional. Who the fuck cares anymore? Yeah, like oh yeah, Aaron Judge is you know hitting massive amounts of homers, and so are seventeen other people. Right. I don't care anymore. Right. Who gives a shit? Right. Speaking of Aaron Judge hitting massive amounts of homers, uh, haven't talked about this on the show, but he is on pace to pass Babe Ruth's single-season home run mark. Uh, which has only been passed by steroid users. Mm-hmm. Um, this, to me, and this is kind of a hot take, probably not in baseball circles, but this, to me, would be the most impressive home run single season feat of all time if he can pass Babe Ruth's mark. I would, I would agree with that. Um, mostly on the fact that the beginning of this year, everybody was complaining about how fucking dead the balls were. And he's still jacking this many home I mean, runs. He's doing this at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, so he, what, there's he, an asterisk. He, yeah. he still gets an asterisk in my mind. Um I wonder, just not I wonder for there's, there's gonna be a stat out there of how many 
home runs he's hit in Yankee Stadium that wouldn't be a home run anywhere else. And I, don't I wonder think, what that. I don't is. think it's a lot that wouldn't oh. have been a home run in any stadium. I don't think that number's large. It's like two or three, but because um, I mean th- he hits the ball fucking mile and oh half. no, don't get me wrong, it's still impressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so the reason I'm saying this would be the most impressive stat ever is back when Babe Ruth played baseball. You didn't have interleague play. African-American players weren't allowed to play baseball. Mm -hmm. He didn't really do it against the level of competition that Aaron Judge is doing it right now. Yeah. Um, It is massively impressive what he has been able to do this year. Um, And I don't think baseball is capitalizing on it enough, which is insane because he plays for the fucking Yankees. Like, how how is this not, like, the leading story in – in sports every night. It, it, the weird part is there are two absolutely historic seasons going on right now. Yeah. Two like absolutely historic seasons, Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani, and I haven't heard a peep about them. I mean, how much do you watch Sports Center? So to be fair, how much do you watch Sports Center? Every now and then, but like even like I go I go on espn.com 5 to 10 times a day. Right, like I just, I just constantly check it. Could I could not tell you where Aaron judges on his race to? Yeah, this should be like banner material. I'm, I'm looking for it. Or Shohei Otani season. Shohei Otani having a season we've never seen, never seen since Babe Ruth. Again, better than Babe Ruth, (laughs) and he's doing better than him against much tougher competition. Much tougher competition. I'm trying to find this. And the it's fact not there, that man. I'm, I'm telling you, search this hard is yeah. You shouldn't have to click insanity off of the splash page. This is no. ridiculous. There should be an Aaron Judge home run counter in the top. Aaron Judge of the page. has 20 more home runs than the next best in baseball. He has 55 home runs. Kyle Schwarber second with 36, 19 less. How many games are left? A month ish. So 23, 24. He's going to hit six. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's going to hit six. <laughs> I just, how is, I just, this is astonishing what he is doing right now. I mean, he is just so far and above. Like, the Yankees have been unbelievably bad since the break. They're like nine and 22 or something. Absolutely ridiculously bad mm-hmm. compared to how well they started the season. And, there was like a time that Aaron Judge was the only person on that team scoring any runs. Yeah. And it like they're still in first place. Like the Yankees, A, are in first place. B, it's the fucking Yankees. This is like the second most popular team in the world. Yep. <laughs> and he is about to pass Babe Ruth in a single season home like, run race. Could you imagine? And I barely hear about it. Could you imagine if CD Lamb was on the precipice of breaking Jerry Rice's single season records. No, I could not imagine. But like it, it could you, the amount of press coverage that would get, it they wouldn't fucking shut up about it. Yeah. No. Anywhere in the world. Yeah. Whole nobody world. would shut up about it. Right. Like I mean it's just it's just unbelievable. That we're and just it's like, unbelievable. Nothing. Like, why isn't ESPN put? It's not like ESPN doesn't have a contract with baseball. They do Wednesday night baseball. They do Friday night baseball. They do Sunday night baseball. Like, ESPN should be pushing the fuck out of this right now. Yeah. It's the goddamn Yankees. It's not like he's playing on the Diamondbacks or the Rockies or a flyover state. Yeah. He's playing on the fucking Yankees. 
playing and in the New York goddamn and city. And I still don't hear about it ever. Um, Other than so like dumb. the one highlight that like they'll show a Yankees highlight like Aaron Judge hit another home run. He's getting closer. Okay, on to the next highlight. What are you guys doing? Yeah. I remember when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were on that thing. You couldn't it. go to any sports anything and hear anything else it was, other than the home run race. I vividly remember the front page of every newspaper that my dad got. My dad's a big newspaper guy. Um, every single one had a home run count with those two guys on it. On the front fucking oh, page. Yeah, yeah. Not sports. No, the front, front page. fucking page had a home run counter between initially it was McGuire, Sosa, and Griffey. Griffey fell off because he wasn't roided, um, but like, it, and then it was just Sosa and McGuire, and it would it would have a little blurb about how many home runs they hit, how far they were. I remember this vividly, and I don't see shit right it now. It was captivating as fuck. Yeah, the home run race was one of the greatest moments in sports, and like just like. The greatest times in sports that season. I mean, Especially everybody that September. Everybody remembers that season. Everybody. Every single person who that has, paid any attention to sports at all. Any attention to sports at all remembers that fucking season. Remembers the highlights of Sosa and McGuire to smash in bombs. Like you remember that shit. Yeah. And there's just nothing going on right now. And it's crazy. Baseball's marketing team is maybe the worst in sports. I mean, if you follow them and you look for it, it's pretty good. Like they actually have good content. I just I don't know if it's all too saturated these days. I don't know what it is. Because also that home run race was sports fans tuned into Sports Center every night religiously. And yeah. that is what they did at night. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. You get your media from all different kinds of sources, so it's really hard to just like baseball can't just flood everything with Aaron Judge shit all the time because then you piss people off. I don't know. It's tough, but to your point, if this was football and it was the Cowboys and there was a record like this that was being chased, it would be insufferable. Insufferable. <laughs> I mean, it would probably piss me off, but you wouldn't be able to turn on anything sports related and not hear about it. I yeah. mean, even even uh, the year that the Broncos were having that historic season when Peyton Manning was going for the single season touchdown yeah, record, it was everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, to be fair, we lived in Colorado. Oh, I, I lived in Colorado. We, you guys live in Colorado still, but we were all in Colorado at that point. So, like, obviously, we're gonna hear about it a little more. It was but still all over Sports Center and shit everywhere all the time. <laughs> yeah, like Wednesday Sports Center, they would talk about Sunday's upcoming. Match up with Peyton Manning for like ten minutes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was a long tangent, boys. Long tangent. It happens. That's what happens on this show. Uh, so that's it for baseball for now. Um, I'm gonna crack another beer. Yeah, you wanna hand me one of those? Cameron's gonna crack another. Beer I already cracked another beer. We are going into Cameron's forte, which is Formula One. Formula. Formula. All right. Um, well, Grand Prix. Cameron, I'm going to let you mostly take the reins here. But uh, basically what we want to do, we're going to recap the Dutch Grand Prix, which happened last weekend. We're going to preview Monza and then probably just ask you about some hot takes that we maybe have and see if you agree or disagree or if we're just being idiots. Cool, yeah. 
let's start with a Dutch Grand Prix recap, reaction, etc. So, yeah, last weekend, Dutch Grand Prix. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting one in that everything after first place and who finished, I mean, Max Verstappen won. I mean, he was yes, hands in a way did. the best driver out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the some of the, you know, other than that, some of the, the drama that came from it, especially the last couple of laps, I know Eli and I have talked about it a couple of times, mm-hmm. I think is where some of the flavor is in the, Formula One. The, the flavor. Because the Mortadella, if you will. <laughs> I won't, but... <laughs> You know, we'll save that. The Italian Grand Prix is this weekend. So then we can mm. get into the... The Mortadelle. Uh, there we go. Um, so, <laughs> I appreciate you for not trying that. <laughs> so <laughs> We didn't want to go in the voices. Uh, just kind of playing it, you know, how we can. So yeah, yeah, um, do my thing. Right now, after last weekend, um, Max Verstappen is sitting in first with 310 points. Any guesses on... Who and how close they are to him from second. Okay. I last think week it was Chaco was yeah. in second last week, but I don't think he is anymore. Because Leclerc got second. No. This right. No, he didn't. He got third. That's right. Where did Checo finish? Hold on. So I'll tell I'll tell you so you don't have to look it yeah, up. So where I want you uh so so yeah. Um, Checo finished in fifth last week. It might be, it might be George Russell. He might have made the leap. I think it's Charles Leclerc. I actually now I I think it's Charles Leclerc as well, and but I think he is ninety three points behind. Okay, Jamie. I think he's a hundred and three points behind. So Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez Checo are actually tied in points in second. They are 109 points I was closer. behind. Closer Max without going over price and right rules. Let's go. God damn it. <laughs> so, have been 102. So, and that just, that just comes from Max having just dominated the first, whatever, 16 I, I, races. So I don't, I don't know if this has been talked about much or at all. I know um, racing has changed a lot. Um, over the last like 20, 40 years, um, like they've added a lot of races. Is this an, an historic season for Max Verstappen? So I saw something. I don't have it pulled up. I was trying to find it before we started and then got bogged down. But um, so there's a couple of things that we need to pay attention to with him. It's uh, single season race wins um, for this season as well as longest winning streak. Um, I think for longest winning streak, he'll have to finish. He'll have to win the rest of them. So the rest of the races. That's mm, a lot um, <laughs> to make that happen, but like not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, um, definitely something that can happen. So he has 10 wins this season already. Jeez. <laughs> how so many, how many races have we had? We have had, 18? Um, if I just count his and add the only couple others, <laughs> Leclerc's won what, like four? Uh, Leclerc has won three. Check. Carlos Sainz has won mm-hmm. one, and Checo, Checo has won, won one. one. 
So I think, yeah, so we're sitting at 15, 15 races this season. Guessing's two on right third of them. He's won yeah. two thirds of them. Um, so I think he's, he's looking at potential for uh, most single season wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then longest um, win streak is also in there, but he's got a, he, I think he has to win the next three or four. Cause he's at four in a row right now. Okay. Um, and then, so we're turning the corner from Europe into Asia, and then, you know, one little race in the U.S. that's left. So it'll be interesting to see how he finishes out the season um, and where that goes. But going back to how um, the Dutch Grand Prix finished, we had um, Lewis Hamilton in first. Oh, that's right. And George Russell in second. And there was some contention in how they wanted to finish that out and how <laughs> and how Lewis thought There's it should. There's a lot of contention. From, from the driver's view of how Lewis thought that that was going to finish. Um, and essentially, I think what George Russell was in second, pitted. George Russell was in third. Uh, no, yeah, George Russell was in second and pitted. Gave grab, up a spot to Verstappen. To, gra- and to grab softer tires. Yeah, grab softer, newer tires. Yeah. And um, Hamilton was left out pretty inexplicably. Yeah, I mean, he was on mediums that were... Eight laps old. Eight, well, yeah, they were old. Only had a handful of laps left. And his idea was they're going to sit at one, two. George is going to... Defend. Keep his elbows out, defend, and keep Verstappen back as long as possible to try to get, you know, a Mercedes... Uh, top podium to get that one spot. That's not what happened. So George Russell pits, Verstappen moves up, and now Verstappen's on newer tires. They're softs, and he can absolutely run down Lewis Hamilton. I think after a lap and a half. I don't even think it took that long. It it was right after the restart. He's so yeah. fast. Yeah, because it, it was right after the restart, and that was where it, it kind of came down as they did first hit. straight that they yeah. had. So with that happening, Lewis went to second. And then he got passed, and George Russell moved into second. Then Leclerc comes out from kind of deep in fourth to pass Lewis, and Lewis ends up finishing off the podium where it looked like Mercedes could have a 1-2, maybe a 2-3 if, if they play a little smart. And this is from Lewis's side. And the, um, the team radio absolutely blew up. From Hamilton's car. He was not pleased and he had no problem telling um, the pit wall that he hated it. And, um, you know, I think that we saw the passion there from him, but also Toto Wolf had a, he said later he was interviewed and he said, you know, sometimes the pit wall, we have to be the vomit bags for our drivers because they see it a certain way and we see kind of the full picture and we just got to let them say what they're going to say in the middle of a race and, you know, go from there. Yeah. Um, and yes, Jamie, you have something? No, you keep okay. going. I so, just, um, I'm waiting my turn. And Lewis, <laughs> Lewis later came in or Lewis later interviewed, I think, early this week and was like, you know, I'm sorry for all the expletives because there was a lot mm-hmm. that he said and just kind of how he let the passion and the, the emotions get away from him. But I don't think he was wrong. I don't. He think... also said he wasn't sorry for being passionate. No, he was not sorry. He was, Which he should never. He was never sorry be. that he swore so much because it was probably the most we've ever heard heard Lewis Hamilton swear 
period. <laughs> I think that's let alone, definitely true. Let alone in one communication. Um, but whether he was right or wrong, I think that if they'd given them the chance to play to fight as a team, you know, two cars in front of one max, maybe you can cheat it out an extra couple of laps and finish two three. Um, but you know, it, it was a tough break for him. So my my perception of this was not it was slightly different because it looked to me like so it was Lewis one Russell two when the red flag came or the uh, safety car came out mm-hmm. which is what kind of caused all this drama because the safety car was the big bugaboo that caused all of this. Mm-hmm. George oh, Russell decided yeah. very late and George Russell made the call not. Not the wall. George Russell made the call to pit, and he did it very late. Like, Lewis didn't have time to pit because Russell did it way, way late. Like, almost as he was getting into the pit lane. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm coming in. Get tires for me, please. Um, so that that was problem number one, is it didn't really give them any time to yeah. strategize or figure out a plan on how to handle this. So that was problem number one. Number two, I think even if, like, what, uh, at first, and the way the announcers and I perceived it was, holy shit, why did George do that? Because they had one, two locked up, or at least one, if he just played a little defense. After watching how fast Max's car was as soon as they put those softs on. They were playing for two, three. It didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter what they did. Max was winning that race no matter what. Yeah, yeah the only way he doesn't win is if they break the rules. And start swerving on straights to keep him behind him, or 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 Russell just pit maneuvers him or some shit, or just like break, yeah, just break, straight up break checks, break him. checks yeah. him like yeah. Abu Dhabi last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that's the, so like at the end, and I think Lewis even realized that after the race is like, there's no way we could have fucking stopped that car because yeah. it's just unbelievable. That that fucking Red Bull car is unreal right now. Yeah, unbelievably fast, just so much better than every car out there on the track. It doesn't matter who's trying to defend. Max is getting past them. The if only Max person on your tail on the grid who could defend that is our boy Fernando fucking Alonso, because that dude is a fucking crazy man. And, but he can only do it. At um at Monaco, at Monaco, <laughs> where you can't where pass you can't anyways, pass, where you can't pass. Yeah, you. There's nobody out there that can defend against that Red Bull car and Max Verstappen driving it right now. Yeah. It's impossible. So it was kind of a non-starter at the end of the day for me. I think they should have pitted Lewis and got him on the softs because he would have finished on the podium. That's that's where that's where I'm at with this whole thing. Is like they were never going one two. That was just not going to happen. Right. Um. I think. My race strategy would have been Verstappen's too fast. We all fucking know it. Pit them both. Give up the spot. Let him race. You guys finish us out 2-3. We have two podium finishers right there. Bam, yeah. bam. Um, and, like, another thing that kind of stood out to me is not only that did Russell call it late, and it, it could be looked at as a fairly selfish move, because he definitely waited until Hamilton was out of being like not being able to pit to do it. Um, he also, when he was overtaking second... Did it in a very poor way. Oh, he almost wrecked both. He of them. almost wrecked both of them because he, like, uh, uh, like you know, like Jamie at the beginning of the season talked about how he doesn't like George Russell, and the more and more I watch George Russell race, the le- the less and less I like him as well because he does shit like that. It, it's like 
It was unnecessary. I get I get you're faster than your teammate right now. You should get the pass. Don't fucking wreck each other. Look, did you did you listen after the race? They do like the where they're all talking and the the winners are all talking in the like uh uh-uh. or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. Watch yeah. That? And Charles Charles Claire was like he because he was behind them. Yeah. When that pass happened, and he was looking up at the video board, and he was like, "I thought you hit him." Another racer was like, "What are you doing, dude?" Yeah. Yeah, you have you're faster, have fresher, softer and you're tires. You're on a straight, just fucking go on a straight around him. with yeah. DRS, what and are you, you doing? have to swerve because it was like an abrupt movement mm-hmm. to not run into the back. Missed of Lewis. him by like inches, and it's not like Lewis was going slower or than he trying had the to entire defend. time he was in yeah, front of Yeah, and it's George. not like yeah. he was trying to defend or doing some shady shit. No, it was yeah, that was it was bad driving. It was, it was bad, bad driving. driving. It shows his his youth in it, but um, yeah, interesting race for sure i don't no one's gonna no one's gonna catch max we have a handful of races charles or sir Sher- i think he would Sergio. have to dnf every race and leclerc one or check would, would have to, to win, win every win. single race and neither one of them are they that's, can't, not, that's not, gonna gonna not gonna happen they'd have to win five of the next races yeah so um i want to get your take on drivers First of all, like, who do you like? Who do you not like? Because we kind of did this at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. And we're definitely, admittedly, more on the, A, newer side of Formula One being fans and probably a little more casual than you are. So I want to get your take, and then I want to get your take on the drivers that I like and don't like also. So who do I like as a driver? Who are your favorite drivers? Like, if you had to pick two drivers that you root for, who are they? So number one is going to be my boy Danny Rick. Our boy Danny Rick. Our boy Danny. Rick. He was on all um, of our lists. He yeah. <laughs> is. So he's not god tier driver. We've talked. I've talked about this. I'm very passionate about how I think Danny Rick is a very mid tier driver. He's a yeah. mid tier driver. He's mid, but he he's the, by far the best personality. Oh, he yeah. can do special things with a car. Like I'll give him that. He does still have all it. these guys. He can. can do special things with a car. Um, but yeah, Except for he's, he's kind of where he's at. <laughs> But he's also, <laughs> he's a character. He's great for the sport yes. as well. You know, people want to see for the sport. sound bites, see him make his weird noises during interviews. His <laughs> bromance with um, Verstappen is just peak from when they were both on Red Bull together. Um, and then, you know, he's he's also respected across the paddock. I mean, everyone that's ever raced with him. Or He's just a good dude. Him. People like yeah. no one doesn't like. There's no reason to not like him. Um. So yeah, probably my favorite driver, most entertaining for sure, on and off the the grid. Um, I also think that top driver, like of the top guy, like of the contenders, if you will, of the contenders. Like, who's your favorite in that group? Oh, Probably would have to say, um, I like Checo. He seems like a good dude. And from what I've seen, especially on like Drive to Survive, um, relatively down to earth guy. Uh, he's a good driver, kind of um, understated and he's not doesn't have a huge presence, but he's also no one's going to dislike him for anything. Um, he's had some some hiccups and some mistakes when driving especially what monaco 
on that last corner before the the tunnel straight where he spun it out in like FP three and held that in qualifying. Now, yeah, yeah, that was in qualifying. You're right because it kind of fucked over Leclerc. Yeah, because it held up. Not kind of. Leclerc ran into him. Fucked over it, red, it red flagged <laughs> qualifying. So stuff like that. Um, but I think that you know he's a good driver. Um, doesn't have a ton to say, but is is really smart with the sport. Um, and he's fun to watch. Okay, also, who do you don't like? Who do I not like? So there's two. And it'll be with the salary cap coming in or the spending cap. Are they both be, leaving? It'll be really exciting <laughs> that daddy's money is not going to keep you on an F1 team anymore. Fact. So Unless Nicholas Latifi and Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll's staying. His dad like owns Aston yeah. Martin. <laughs> Up until 2026 when Audi owns 75% of them. Yeah, but Lance Stroll's going to be there until his dad's not there. It's true. His dad's like, the, it's like Latifi's different because Latifi's dad like just pays Williams for him to be the driver. Lance Stroll's like, daddy is the owner, and as owner, he's making me Also, like, here's the thing about Lance Stroll. I hate him, too. He's like one of my least favorite drivers. Um... But, like, he can actually drive a car. Like, he's not the worst driver on the grid. Right. That, know, that is squarely Mazaspin right. and Yeah, uh, I was going to say, Lance Stroll just kind of takes up the, the, the hole that's he's left. That, he's that back, he's the back mid driver that every team doesn't want. But, like, he's, he's not, I mean, I think. He's like, not terrible. He's not, a, he's not the worst driver in the world. I also get why you don't like him because I don't like. Oh, him. I don't but like him either. Like, but he's one of those drivers. Like he's, he's daddy's money driver. You see him finish yeah. in like high Q two, and you're like, no, nah, you'll finish in like the bottom five of yeah. the race. So I'm not too worried about you being up yeah. there. Um, His racecraft is awful. Yeah, yeah. he great. he's a fast driver. That's I guess that's what I mean. He's at least fast because you can see it in qualifying. He's fast. He's a horrible racer. <laughs> yes. Um. Yes. I mean, of those two, not great. I don't enjoy watching them. I don't think that. Um, they'll be around the sport for the tenure that you know someone like no, they Fernando won't. has or Vettel. I, th- I think that they'll okay, kind of so. fill their spot. However, there is one, there is one man child out there, and <laughs> he is exciting to watch because you want to root for the underdog. And when he does well and he just races his heart out, um, it's uh. Alex Albon. I love Albon. When he he's racing in a Williams. Mm-hmm. And I remember earlier in the season, he hadn't pit the entire race until oh, I remember this race. It got love down to the race. he was in like seventh going into the last lap. And he had to pit because the It would have been a five second. It would have been a five second penalty, and it just would have dropped him down. Um and they pit, he got out. In front of, um, I can't remember who he came out in front of, but he came out of the pit lane in 10th, defended for a lap, took 10th place. And all I remember is in the interview afterwards, Lando was being interviewed, I think, by like Sky Sports or something. And um, Alex came up and he goes, where'd you finish? He's like, well, I was only about a half a second behind you. He goes, really? He goes, yeah, but I finished in 10th because I didn't pit the whole race. And it was just like (laughs) the excitement that he felt like that he was able to do that and had um, great qualifying and was strong through free practice. Um, he's exciting to watch. I think he's going to be around in the sport because if you can do that with a car that historically, and I say historically in the past 15 to 20 years, 
not yeah. for the length of the sport because Williams was an absolute Monster. powerhouse when Formula One started. Yeah. And they were for a long time. Um, it'll be good to see what he does when he starts moving into mid-tier teams. And then he or, gets or when shot. the salary cap starts really taking the toll on these top end teams. So, and and that's kind of the the part is a lot of these teams with the the spending cap being 140 million dollars this year, they um, have run into an issue where who is going to take the knowledge that they had and that they used and you know gained from the 300 and 400 million dollar years to the new regulations that started this year. Yeah. And you saw some people start off hot. Mm-hmm. Red Bull was one of those teams. Red Bull's I still mean, hot. Red, they still hot. They figured it out. Porpoising, we're good. Mm-hmm. Everyone else in the world had issues with porpoising for the first 5 to 10 to 15 races for some of them. Yeah. But um, so it'll be interesting, like you said, to see how that progresses. And I think a lot of teams will have this stuff figured out. And just in time for the 2026 regulations to change. Yeah. And that's what I kind of love about the sport is you get a lot of different engineers and just ingenuity coming into it and changing so frequently that you have to adapt. You can't get super comfortable for 20 years doing the same thing yeah. just because engine sizes. Are yeah. I, re- I really think that 2026 is going to be a really telling year because that's when these three, 400 million teams, um, they don't have that advantage anymore because they've spent 140 million for four years or three years or whatever it's going to be before that. Um, yeah. Four years. And, uh, and so they no longer have that advantage of being a $400 million team before. And so I think, I think 2026 is that kind of one, that stretch is when it starts to really even out. We have a lot of good races. And we're going to see a, a landscape change with, power unit providers. Yeah. Because right about that time, I think Honda has said that they're done. So they're going to stop creating power units and you're going to start getting, um, I mean, Ferrari will always be doing, uh, providing power units, but you'll start getting um, Porsche and depending on what Audi's doing with the, their, their entrance, because it hasn't really been announced how they're entering, just that they, ha- they have officially are. Um, and then potentially see Maybe an eleventh team on the grid with Andretti. I think the the landscape's going to change a lot at a great time to pull people in, especially American viewers. That in twenty twenty six we can see a change and just see some of these teams start from scratch across the board and see who just gets there first. Mm-hmm. And we can see teams like Williams just absolutely knock it out of the park with some young drivers. Yep. So we wanted some takes on our least favorite drivers. Okay. That's what Jamie was getting at earlier. Yep. So, um, I really cannot root, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it's because he's got a punchable face. Maybe because I'm just getting some bad vibes. Pierre Gasly can't do it. Can't do it. I just want to like every time I see him, I just want to like little like karate chop to the throat. throat. Punch. <laughs> yeah, just like I don't get like I just got a punchable face, man. And I just like I, like I don't think he's like that fun to watch racing. I don't know. I just don't really like him. Yeah, he's very lukewarm. Yeah, as far as drivers on the grid, very milk toast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I really can't put to words why. Um, there's maybe it's some of the arrogance and that he's still so young in mm-hmm. the sport and on yeah. the grid um, that he just feels a right to. 
Maybe it's because he's with Alphatari, which is Red Bull's little sister that maybe shouldn't be in F1. And anyways, um, we maybe should be, for sure shouldn't be in F1. You know, it's, maybe it should be you know, Mario Andretti's team. Or something. So you know, it's it's, <laughs> know. it's interesting that you say him because I agree. There's there's something about him, and I think it's it's the whole like everything that just happens around him and the driver and how like the persona that yeah. he just rubs you the wrong way. His like, face, mm-hmm. man, just. See that one for me is George. I fu- I cannot stand him. George, I get it. Yeah, George just. Uh, I'm coming around to that way of view. Like George just seems like that rich British kid. Yes, who just got that like, is exactly yeah. what it is, and feels man, like your lips to God's ears, my man. Like a right to it. Um, <laughs> I, I just every, the way he talks, the like demeanor he has, the way he drives. Just it fucking drives me crazy. Have you ever seen? You, I know you've seen this. Uh, you know, at the beginning of uh, the Kingsman, those really yes. shitty British yes. kids. That is exactly that, that's, that's George Russell. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, that's who he is. is. He's he should have been cast in that fucking movie because <laughs> that is him. He should have been the guy who couldn't get out of the drowning room. You know, not not that he should have drowned, but like the guy that Eggsy saved to get yeah. out of the drowning room because he was such a dick bag. Yep. Like that. That's what he reminds me of. Agreed. That is exactly who he is. Agreed. I got That's you, baby. hundred percent accurate. <laughs> Listener, if you haven't seen it, go watch Kingsman. Wonderful and the, movie. the guy that can't get out of the drowning room, like Eli's saying, that's George Russell. And yeah. That's why I don't like um, him. Don't watch the newest one, The King's Man. I haven't watched that. that is garbage. I haven't watched that one yet. The first two, absolute magic. Love them both. <laughs> the first movie was one of my favorite it's my favorite spy movie. It is my favorite spy movie theaters. ever. Yeah, it's really good. It is so fucking good. The new one, god awful. All right, Cameron. Quick Monza quick preview. Monza preview. Max Verstappen. Same. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Max Verstappen. I'm not. I'm not getting betting against him. Um, he loses. You know, the upside is it's Thursday, so we haven't seen anything. No practices. Nothing. We never um, have by the time we record this. That's, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of what day, as long as it's not a Sunday, you haven't watched anything. No, no, no. Yeah. We only record like Monday through Wednesday, usually. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that Max is going to look great out there. Um, Hamilton is taking Hamilton is taking a grid penalty because uh, they are a more power unit because they're still trying to salvage stuff from um, his third or second, third, when he had that little scrape with Alonzo that he definitely initiated two races ago <laughs> in um, Belgium. Yeah. So. Yes, sir, you in the front. I wanted to move on from this, but I want to get y- your take on another hot take that's out there in the Formula One world, and that is the fact that a lot of people think that Lewis Hamilton is washed, and I think that is a garbage take, personally. We talked about this last week, and I was I brought up an article that I saw that was a poll of the drivers last year at the end of the season that it was from the drivers who was the best driver on the grid, and it was almost unanimously Lewis Hamilton. Like best, like pure driver? Just driver. Like like you can put him in any car and he can win races. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying, like, is are we correct in saying that the the take out there that's out there that Lewis should retire because he's washed or his best days are behind him or whatever. We think that is a garbage take because it's clear that the Mercedes car just isn't what the Mercedes car has been for the 
past seven years or whatever that he won the driver's championship. It's not that he's a bad driver. It's the car's just not there right now. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I think that yes. um, the car <laughs> has taken some time. And when you think about and what people will say, well, George Russell's been able to do it. George Russell's only 30 points ahead of him and has finished more races than Lewis has. So, you know, let's let's calm down with that. But when you look at some of these races, especially also, early George on. George Russell's a fuck, so shut up. Yeah, so it doesn't matter <laughs> what the stats are. Check, you know, take, take some gauge, figure out what's going on. I just want to be very clear right now. I don't think George Hamilton should drown. George but that Russell. Is, George Russell. Yeah, George Russell should drown. But that is going to be our joke now. Okay. Should have drowned in the room. I don't. I want to be very clear, so don't cancel us. I don't wish harm <laughs> on George Russell. <laughs> we're just going to have Jasper cut all of that out so that we no, don't have fine. to worry about it. No, <laughs> we, but, don't, um, we don't cut shit. We don't um, shit, dude. No, Maybe so, Jasper does. I don't know. <laughs> so, Lewis, um, no, not absolutely not washed. Uh Next year is going to be a completely different year. I think we'll see him finish easily in the top four next season once they get the car kind of under thing. But, you know, when he, that couple of races ago when the porpoising was so bad, he couldn't get out of the car. And because of regulations, you can't touch a driver until they weigh in after a race. No one could help him out. So he had to, like, wiggle himself up and over onto the halo and then just, like, slide over Ugh. it because his back was so messed up from how much he was hitting the ground. I think it's a car issue. He's still been able to do some great things. He's still getting a lot of points. He's got two DNFs this season. Um, I think that, you know, we're still going to see great things from him. He's still got a contract through next season. Currently with uh, Mercedes, I'll, I bet we'll see that extended for another two or three years. Yeah, for sure. There's no but way they get rid of him. Just quickly off of that, there are rumors because of that contract situation that Daniel Ricardo might be picked up as a reserve driver for Mercedes. And I just honestly love to see that. <laughs> That'd be great. And I just hope that he drives. It'd be good for Daniel Rick. I don't of... think that would be a good move for Mercedes. It's just a reserve driver. That's true. He'd be good. He doesn't yeah. have to do anything. I, the, the thing that I keep going back to, and I don't know which race it was, so my, my research isn't great on this, but it, I'm going back to the race. It was earlier this year that Lewis either got spun in the first lap or something that put him back. He was like, he got, he got a grid penalty. I think no, he started like second and he got spun by, I think it was Kevin Magnuson that spun him. And he was like 19th and way 19th, like way back to start the race. And he basically wanted to throw in the towel and Mercedes like, no points are still out there. You're going. And he finished like fifth in that race. He drove the fuck out of that car for the rest <laughs> of the race. Like went from 19th in the end of the first lap to fifth. Uh, That's what I was like. You are still a really fucking good driver. Yeah. You just need the car under you. Is it Spain? I think it was. It's right around that time. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think that he can still do amazing things. He's still a phenomenal driver with a car that hasn't been able to serve him. So. I think that we're going to we're going to see him for a while. Yes. And he, hot take was good. He we may, did it. And you know what? He may retire and then come back good in two years it. like Fernando Alonso does. Yeah. Well, he's now a he Broncos. Who has now collected all of the teams. Like, really? It's not every single team, but he oh. is going. He's he's getting the infinity gauntlet of um, F1 teams right destiny. now. Since he's going to Aston Martin, I'm really upset that you were doing that while we're on the same track for this. <laughs> <laughs> nah, happens. But no, I think that yeah, we'll see him around. That's a that's the 
that that's a good that's good stuff. You're you're on the right track with that. And he's an owner of the Broncos, so it's true. You gotta support him. Gotsta. Gotsta. I like Lewis. I'm I'm I do too. I'm yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like a huge Lewis fan, but I like watching him race. Yeah. Don't like watching George race. <laughs> All right. John in the room. We're gonna move on because we still got football to talk about. And we've been talking for a minute. So a minute. College football. This is like the first time in a long time that I'm not entirely thrilled about bringing this topic up to talk about. Ouch. Oregon got clapped pretty bad. Pretty bad. I'm so I don't think I'm overreacting when I say that is a top five worst loss that I've witnessed as an Oregon fan. I I think it would depend on what what you classify as worst loss. I think there are teams that had higher expectations who have lost worse games. Like, I I would say, personally, I would say uh, the Stanford loss last year was worse because the team had great high expectations. And I would say... A lot of the Stanford, where where Oregon should have been a national championship, they lost to an inferior Stanford team. I mean, Stanford was good at the time, but they were inferior to the Oregon Ducks. But like, I would say those are worse losses. This is the like the biggest smackdown that I've seen. This in is 15 as years. helpless. So like, I'm I'm gonna throw out 2015 or 16. I think it was 2016. The four yeah, and eight 2016, years. 2016, because that's a total anomaly in my Oregon fandom. Yeah. Like everything just felt helpless that year. So, like, no loss really surprised me because we just weren't very good. Um, and we had a bad coach. This is the first time in a long time as an Oregon fan that I've just felt like, holy shit, we don't even belong here. Yeah. So, I, I'm kind of, as, as, I, as I've kind of grown into my 2020 hindsight, um, I've kind of realized that I should have never been picking Oregon to even be competitive in this game. Um, and, and, like, as much as it pains me to say that, I, I, I was looking a little bit through rose-colored glasses. Oh, I, I was love, for sure watching I love, it. I love what Dan yeah. Lanning's doing. I think he's going to be great still. Um, and, like, there, I, I'll, we can go into this in a bit. I think there are a lot of silver linings here. But um, what I saw on, on that Saturday was – Georgia taking advantage of every single mistake that Oregon. It was a basically this was a worst case scenario uh, game for Oregon. No doubt about it. You're you're implementing two brand new systems. You're going to make mistakes. That is the nature of it. These guys are fucking nineteen to twenty two. You're gonna make these mistakes in a playbook, right? And um, especially when you're when it's brand new, like you have a couple of years under your belt. Sure. I think this is a different game if Mario Cristobal is still the head coach, um, but just because of stability. But, um, like, you know, a lot of, like, you saw, we saw a lot of blown coverage on defense. We said, and that's going to happen. But Georgia's a team that's going to be able to take advantage of it. Plus, and if you give that Georgia team any fucking momentum, game's over. I, I mean, like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, even even if you take this game to mid to late season, I think it's a different game. Um, like, I, I do I pick Oregon to win that this season? No, I would not pick them to win it all season. Is it going to be a blowout at near the end of the season? I don't think so. I think Oregon still got. I mean, I you know I saw a lot of things 
that were just very indicative of them learning and being hesitant against a national championship contending team. You know, um, and like like I said, I've got some silver linings there. If we want, and maybe that's just me being ever the optimist, but I do have some silver linings on the play. But let's kind of hear your first takes first. Yeah, I mean, my so my first take, um, bigger bigger picture. I don't like these. I, I like having big non-conference games. I don't like them starting the season. It Agreed. is a total lose. It's a win-lose situation, right? Because you win that game, it vaults you for the rest of the season. You're yeah. you're off and running, good to go. You lose it. Like There's really nothing to be... For a, a team that's implementing two new systems, like you said, whole new coaching staff, whole new everything, you got a whole bunch of new starters, everything's different from last year. This is absolute worst case scenario. It this was, game that's to what start I said, a like, season. It's absolutely worst case it's scenario. Atrocious. You're playing the defending national champions that is stacked with five star players that are clearly just bigger than you. That fucking tight Six, end. Six seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. Tight end that runs like a wide receiver and jumps like a running back. Like, it's like what <laughs> you are defying nature, people, my dude. The people I was watching the game with, they're like, tackle him. I'm like, how? Dude, he <laughs> yeah, made Noah Sewell. He truck. made Noah Sewell look like a fucking child. I am yeah. a huge man, right? Like, I'm a big dude. I would not want to touch that guy. Oh, he would have run over you like a fucking freight train and not even look back. Feather in his way. Yeah, you would you would have died. Um, so you know, uh, it's it really sucks to like have the right answers in our our minds so much because we've we've solved this problem on this show before. Yeah, you play eight non-conference games. The first two non-conference, the first first two non-conference games are FCS or. Group of five, yeah. And then you can get into your true non-conference play, and then you get into conference play. We've solved this problem. Mm-hmm. It makes for less entertaining week one. Week one in college football is fucking incredible this year. Yeah, absolutely. Like the fact that this was a matchup week one, regardless of like before outcome. the outcome, yeah, is awesome for the sport. It just really sucks for Oregon, especially yeah. in hindsight I, I, because like, they I, like just I got said, absolutely even- clapped. Even even if Mario Cristobal is the coach, I don't think Oregon gets blown out in that game. I don't know, man. Georgia just looked. The, like here's the thing. I think I think level. they're great, right? But like, a, like like I said, a lot of what I saw was Oregon making mistakes, and Georgia taking advantage of that. Oregon would make far less mistakes if they were in the same system. Yeah, they've been yeah. Running they would have lost, and they probably still would have lost. Like I said, double I digits. don't pick them winning. They're but not like, going to lose think by 46. They're not going right. to lose by 46. <laughs> um, and so I want I want to go to like my my silver linings here. Or Cameron, do you want to you want to add to the the initial outtakes of this or li- original takes of this game? No, I mean you guys pretty much covered it. We okay. the same game. There's just there's a lot of changes for this being the first game of the season and the just, first just, just wasn't you know, good. First introduction to the landing era. But I think that th- this was not a game that was going to go well. Did I pick them to win in our pick em league? Of course I did, because only three <laughs> other people did. And maybe got smiles on an Oregon fan once in a while. No, you should know no. that. Uh, after the toilet bowl, I know it'll never <laughs> Here's happen. The thing. Here's the thing. After Ohio State last year, I thought. I was like, Dude, well, I, yeah. I was you like, never know. I mean, they did a lot. You never know. But, you uh, know. No, we should have. we should have never. It should have never even been like, they're going to be competitive. I am going to make a pact to myself. 
to be more realistic with my Oregon picks and my predictions for games. Here's the thing. I will try my I damnedest. I still think Give they're going weeks. to be good in the Pac-12. No, oh, yeah. No, here's the thing. I'm still going to pick them when other teams don't because I know this team better and I know the capabilities. So there's going to be times that people are like, you're just being an Oregon fan. It's like, well, yes, but also... If you have an intimate like, knowledge thought, of the talent yeah. on your team, like you're just going to pick them more just because that's who you studied. You know yeah. the talent that's there. Um, but like, so I've got a couple silver linings here. Okay. Um, one, the offense moved the ball surprisingly well for only scoring three points. Great. They had seven drives of over 35 yards. That is not something easy to do against historically good defenses. Correct. I mean, last yeah. year, last year, I don't think Georgia gave up 300 yards in four games. They uh, definitely didn't, they definitely didn't give up any, uh, any, any first, first half touchdowns in the first like eight games. Um, so there's, there's like Oregon, the scheme is there. Yeah. Even on defense, the scheme was there. The the execution wasn't there because they were they were very clearly hesitant. The tackling wasn't there because I believe they were playing hesitant. And the, the mistakes they were making are just like it's clear to me that Oregon is not a contender. That's okay. You're implementing a whole fucking new thing. Oregon's not a contender. But I think I think the biggest the biggest leaps in in in, uh, in improving come between week one and two, right? That's the big because you've you've now especially with this Georgia game, it is very fucking clear what Oregon needs to work on. Yeah, um, and so they they have they have tape to look at and say this is where we need to improve. So like I I think the schemes are there, right? Because it wasn't like Oregon wasn't there. Oregon created pressure. Mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett was running a lot, um, you know, considering like it wasn't like he was like always running for his life, but like Oregon created pressure. They couldn't close it. Yeah. Right. There was a lot of coverage that uh, that was just kind of blown, but the, the scheme was there. Right. They had the right coverage on. It just wasn't executed properly. And so, like, I think as they grow to learn the offense and grow to learn this defense and realize what their roles are and as they very, they had a very tough uh, exposing of what they don't know. If they can honestly go into a film room and like look tr- very truthfully at what they need to improve on, this Oregon team's gonna be fine. They've got the talent to compete with these major teams. That's not a question, right? They've got the talent there. It's just a matter of actually executing on that talent. And like I said, a lot of it, what I saw against Georgia, especially was. They just like they looked really hesitant. Mm-hmm. They looked like they didn't know what they were doing, but because they probably really don't. They've only been running this defense for what four weeks, five weeks now. Yeah, like they don't they don't really know that, and you know they're they're getting used to learning from these other people. Like, <clears throat> so while I don't think Oregon's a contender, and I'm starting to question a little bit about whether they're a contender in the Pac-12, I, I think I would take back my pick of them winning the Pac-12 this year. I think they have a lot to implement and learn. I think they're in a great place to grow and be better, like in a, in a long term future, right? I think I think they're it's very clear they're putting in the basic blocks right now. Yeah, I think the the Oregon team that we see at the end of this regular season through uh, conference play through the Pac twelve is going to be night and day difference from what we saw against Georgia. They're going to be yep. getting things; it'll all be clicking way less raw. And I think that that's yep. um, here, that's here, what this game set up for, especially with just 
all of the parameters. And like you said, new system, new coach. They have the talent. That game was there to expose. To fuck them up. What needed to happen <laughs> so that they can go all season go, see? See? I told yeah. you. And then just figure it out I, and put it down there for the for conference play. And I think, you know, Eastern Washington on Saturday, just blow the doors off them. Um, and then, you know, the next test is going to be I, BYU in two weeks. Here's the thing. This is a really bad season for Oregon to have to be implementing new seasons or new stuff. They go against the reigning champion, yep. right, who is historically good, right? Yep. Like, next they go against a, a very incredibly prolific air raid offense, uh-huh. um, which has proven to be able to work in FBS. Um, <laughs> and then they go against a very good BYU team. This is, Oregon could have I, – I still think they'll win Eastern Washington. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Um I think the spread's like 20 points. Yeah. I think that's going to be... I would not take Oregon. I would take Eastern spread. Washington against the spread there. Yeah. Um, because they have, they do have a very good offense, and and you have a defense that is learning. Again, again, they have the talent there. Like I said, they were in Stetson Bennett's face like more than I thought they would be. I was very worried about the pass rush going into this, and that's not necessarily what I'm worried about anymore. Uh, you got a lot of young corners trying to cover an air raid defense is always tough. They're going to get yards. They're going to get touchdowns. That's just how this is going to work. Um, and the BYU is just good. It's a really tough offseason, I think, um, or pre, uh, not pre, uh, non-conference, really tough non-conference schedule for what they're trying to do right now. Um, I think once they can settle into Pac-12 play, I think it'll be it'll be a lot better of a team. And that's when they, that's when they can start finding themselves and who they are. Because it was very clear... On Saturday, one team knew exactly who the fuck they are, and and the other team had no fucking idea. And the other team was Oregon. They had no identity. I mean, you saw, I, I was midway through the game, I was like, how many fucking transfers did we actually get? 21. It's insane. And they're all fucking starting. Yeah. It, 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 like outside of the offensive line, which, that's another silver lining, the offensive line looked incredible. They looked fantastic. Yeah, I that I will like that is the, sorry. Thank you for reminding me about that because the offensive line is the biggest silver lining I have there because they looked. Bo Nix didn't get sacked against one of the best pass rushers in the country. Yeah, who rightfully probably would have had three, four if it wasn't for the offensive line. I mean, Bo uh, Nix. If, I, mean, I mean, he would have been dead if it wasn't for the offensive <laughs> it, it, line. That, he wouldn't have been in long that's enough. That's hard to speculate, but like, I mean, there—that's probably not going to happen a lot this season for Georgia. Yeah, I agree. Where they don't get a sack, um, and that, uh, like, and the the run, the run, the run blocking was hit and miss at times. But again, you're going against some of the best linebackers, some of the best D lines in the country. And you like, this is like my biggest, like my thickest silver lining here is that this is simultaneously the best offense and the best defense you're going to go against all year. Yeah. I mean, we saw some hiccups and <laughs> like, like you said, run blocking, some guys pulling, not really grabbing that, that block. Yeah. A couple, but a couple then, missed blocks. But there, then but... you would see an adjustment in a play call really quick. And then you'd get, you know, nine, 10 yards. Pass on blocking was one. superb. Yeah. Pass blocking was lights out. So, yeah. So hopefully Bo Nix can not throw two interceptions. Although the first one, you can't fault him. That was a great throw, and there's just a better it's interception. Insane interception. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't fault Bo Nix. And it was, I, it as was soon a, as that happened, I went, it was this also, is over. It was also a good play call. Like, it was a good 
It was all of it was good, and honestly, against maybe any other corner in the country, I was saying that is I was probably I was, a catch, I was there going if not. A touchdown. I think ninety nine at a hundred times. That's a that catch. is a forty yard gain for Oregon. Yeah, yeah, it's like, not a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, and, well, because they're both kind of falling down as they did it. Right, but like, he tripped. They both tripped. It, just, yeah. it was an insane interception. I'm just saying that play call at that time. Perfect. That was it. It's a yeah. touchdown like I said, or a the big scheme game. is there. Um, it's there, and that's why. Right. That's why I'm actually You're fairly hopeful. Right. The scheme is there. I have a question. Yes. Um. So Friday night we had the unfortunate fortune of going to the Colorado TCU game, which did not end up very well. First half was pretty good for the Buffs, for the most part. To me, the parallels between Oregon and Colorado week one are pretty striking because while Colorado doesn't have a new head coach, they have a new everything else. Uh-huh. They're employing new schemes. They have half the t- half of their starters transferred away. Almost all of the team is starting fresh. I saw glimpses in that game of what this team can be. It's nothing that Oregon can be. It's not even close. So, like, in terms of, like, apples to apples, these teams aren't even in the same stratosphere. I recognize that. I'm not delusional. But in terms of, like, like Colorado fans, like, the sky like is relative falling. Relative progression. Colorado fan who's been around forever and has been terrible for the last two decades – or decade and a half is like the sky's falling. We're going zero and twelve. I went back and watched that game, and it, like there's like signs like this team is like it's headed in the right direction. It's probably just not going to get there as fast as anybody wants to. And I mean, you talk about Oregon having a rough slate to start the season and getting no breaks. Uh, Colorado's way fucking worse. What's Colorado's long conference? They have TCU week one. Air Force week two, and Air Force is probably the top of the Mountain West right now. They were 10-2 and two last year, uh, probably looking to be that again this year. And then Minnesota. I mean, I would still say Oregon had it worse by playing the reigning By playing Georgia, champions. but the, Colorado doesn't get, an, doesn't get a win in there. They don't get like a an Eastern Washington that everybody's like, yeah, they're going to win that game. Yeah. As bad as Colorado's been for the past two decades, they haven't lost to FCS teams. Yeah. So it's not like like if you throw in an FCS team in that schedule, okay, at least you have a fucking win under your belt. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Speaking of that, next year they don't play an FCS team either. So whoever's doing the scheduling is out <laughs> they of need their to calm down, down. Out down. Out of their calm mind. yourself down. <laughs> um, but like I went back and watched that. Like it was ugly, right? It wasn't great. And being at the game, it was like, holy fuck, you guys didn't make any adjustments. It's not true. Half the team's brand new starters, half of their guys transferred away last year when all the coaching staff, like, big overturn, just like at Oregon. The scheme's fucking there. The execution wasn't. Yeah. And the frustrating the frustrating part, especially for Buff fans, is you were starting the same quarterback and you saw the same shit that you saw last year when you have another guy on the roster that looked clearly better and you're still playing the guy that didn't look as good. Yeah, that I, was the one thing that was like, what are you guys? What are we doing? Why, why are you doing this? But the rest, like, if you go back and watch the actual tape and watch them play, the, like, it's there. They just made bad calls on the field. Yeah. And if they get the scheme and they start understanding what their assignments are and they can figure that part out, like, I'm not saying Colorado is going to go to a bowl game. I'm not saying they're going to be good, but they're not what that scoreboard showed. 
They, Much I, like Oregon's not forty nine to three at the end of the year. Yeah, um, I would I would agree with that. You know, for the most part, um, I think I think you, very hard emphasis on the relative progression, right? Like relatively, oh, it's baby baby steps for Colorado. Yeah, well, I, I just mean like both teams can make a lot of progression. Just Colorado is going to be a lot lower in that progression. Well, they're right? starting lower. Yeah, it's exactly. Like you're you're starting in That's the what, basement. That, you're starting in the cellar and you're starting on the second floor trying to get to the tenth you just, floor. You just you just described relative. I, I'm just Thank I'm you. just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm emphasizing. Yeah, just like and that's that's what I mean. Yeah, like I can see that happening. It's just um, tough for Buff fans. <laughs> it's rough when you start that low, and, and like I think, I think the thing that comes to mind is um, 2015 Colorado Buffs, uh, whatever year, like the year or two before that. When you could see the progressions being made, but no wins, but the scoreboard never reflected it, right? Like, this, like they would get blown out still, or whatever they win by, or they lose by 20. But you could see, like, okay, they didn't like teams had to work for that 20 points a lot, and it was in the fourth quarter, which is what this TCU game was, by the way. Yeah, TCU didn't run away with this thing until the end of the third quarter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I could I could see it happening. Um, I mean, it really comes down to Colorado Durrell, right? Like, it, it depends on how he can prep these guys and how he can. I'm still not a believer in Carl Durrell. I still think he's probably going to end up being canned at some point because I just don't think he's an ex- a very good coach. So, if we're talking about parallels between Oregon and Colorado, Oregon's in a so much better spot. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah. I think Dan Lanning is the guy. I don't think Carl Durrell is the guy, mm. but the changes that I saw after going back and re-watching the game versus watching it in person, I was like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought it maybe was. Yeah, when I mean, I when, first you, saw when you, the game. you were texting me about it, and I was kind of like, I don't really see where he's coming from for a lot of these things. Like, um, it was ugly, right? It didn't look good. But, like, I was like, you know, their offensive line is much improved. Vastly, vastly, because I remember my my exact words last year were that offensive line is fucking Swiss, Swiss cheese. cheese. Yeah, and and like they're they're um you know maybe a little uh, Reggiano, a couple little pours in there, but it's you know they're they're still not a great offensive line by any chance. No, it's not like Oregon again. We're talking yeah. about di- but totally like they're, different they're, things. They're 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 far improved from where they were last year. Um. Uh, I think I think the biggest mistake Colorado made was their their offensive coordinator hire. Yes, Brendan Marion was reportedly interested in the Colorado job, and they passed him over. Brendan Marion is widely considered as an offensive genius, and he was my pick for the Oregon offensive coordinator position. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and I think this I is think, why I don't think Carl Durrell's a guy. Yeah, I, I don't think, think passing Carl- up on Brendan Marion was. Like a nail in the coffin for Colorado. Yeah, I again don't think Colorado is going to be like this game changer. No, I don't no. think we're going to. I think get they could sneak point. some games out though. They could sneak some games oh, out, yeah. and like next year, could they maybe reach bowl eligibility? Yeah, probably, possibly. Like, but like that's kind of the ceiling to me for Carl. Carl Durrell is a six and six, seven and five head coach. You uh, you have him as like a Mike Riley kind of exactly. guy. Exactly, he's exactly. Every he's once well in a while, he might have a great season. He's well spoken. Nobody like hates him as a person. Like he's not unlikable. He's just not that great of a coach, and he's yeah. not going to be the guy. Yeah, 
that's and Colorado went with the safe hire after getting absolutely burned by Mel Tucker. So I understand why we're we are where we are. It's just not going to lead to anything world changing. Yeah. Now maybe it's what the program needs is baby steps get to a solid footing to where you are a solid mid level program, and then you can go make us like maybe. Yeah, I'm not going to rule that out. Is the fan base uh, patient enough for that? Probably fucking no. Not. Fan base in the world is the Buff fan base has been very patient, and the patience is waning. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, that's, I, I just wanted to draw that comparison because after Friday, I was like, "Holy fuck, this team sucks!" And why am I here? And then I went back and watched. And I was like. I, they suck. That was probably an overreaction. They suck, but they're not end of the world suck. It's not like <laughs> it's not Kansas from three years ago, where it's like they don't even belong on a football. They're field. not rice. Right. They're not yeah, right. They're not yeah. temple. Exactly. It's not something they can't overcome. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just it's not going to be good this year, and it's probably not going to be good next year. But it there's positive momentum. Even yeah, if it's yeah. slight. Yeah. And that's that's all you can really hope for is getting better. Yeah, it just sucks because fan bases aren't patient enough for it. It just you gotta if you're the buffs right now, you just gotta get Mel Tucker really fucked that program. Yeah, really for bad. A long time. Really bad. I like I worry about the duck I, I worry about Dan Lanning a little bit. Um because the fan base is unbelievably Oregon impatient. fan base is notoriously impatient because 80% of Oregon's fan base are new fans. Yeah. And and honestly, like, fairly bandwagon. Like, I, I was talking to a guy at work the other day, and he's like, oh, God, I fucking hate Oregon fans. I was like, I kind of get it. Oh, I do, too. I hate our fan yeah. base. <laughs> our fan base sucks sometimes. Yeah. And and so I was saying, like, and, but, like, so I kind of worry for Dan Laning, but I think I think for the most part, people understand that we need to have a little bit of patience with this. Um, I mean, a lot of people I was with when I watched the Georgia game, they were all kind of like, yeah, like I guess I guess like the big thing I came away from the game, uh, I was just kind of like that sucked, but like I didn't really learn anything new out of this. Like it's not. I, I mean, I I knew Oregon had a ways to go to be a contender again. I probably learned that they they had a lot of further uh, road than I thought they might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like it's not like I all of a sudden like I was like oh you know you're not like the people on Twitter that like oh we should have or hired. Whoever, Justin Absolutely Wilcox. Not. Absolutely not. Like, go Ooh. fly a kite, dude. Here's the thing. We we and we even said on the podcast, Justin Wilcox is maybe a top five candidate for that job. Um, but like if you want to go he's, hire he's Carl Durrell, then go he's, hire Justin but he's Wilcox. Fairly middling. Mm-hmm. Like he I think he's a good coach, but like I just he's not a great coach. Anybody overreact I like, I'm so much, over overreacting to losses. Yeah. At this point, like Back in 2012, like, right, for example, when Stanford lost, like, that was maybe the most heartbreaking loss other than the national championship against Auburn mm-hmm. um, that I witnessed just because, I, like, that team was a national championship winning team. Absolutely. 2012. Absolutely. That's probably the best college football team that I've ever witnessed, especially extended, like, watching every game. That That team was fucking unreal. That 2012 Oregon team. So that that 
loss sucked and it the overreact and we overreacted. Chip doesn't make halftime adjustments, blah blah. We went down that Which whole he absolutely did and he still doesn't. <laughs> so we were So we, we were, were still, right. We True were still to this right. day. But like especially in this case, like overreacting to that loss, what are you doing? Yeah. You, they won the fucking national championship. The last game Georgia played, they were hoisting a goddamn trophy. Against an equally against amazing- Alabama, who had beat them for the SEC championship. Yeah. Literally as good as it gets. The greatest dynasty in the history and, of college football. And you were and they and and they just beat them and for you a were trophy. Trying to, <laughs> you're trying to implement a brand new coaching staff that is extremely young. And first time head coach. First time head coach. Yeah. New schemes for all these players that are completely different than anything Mario Cristobal did. Mm-hmm. Chill the fuck out with these yeah. takes of we hired the wrong like if i see one more duck player on tw- or a fan on twitter saying we hired the wrong coach you're getting fucking blocked i don't i don't need to hear from you you just don't know what the fuck you're talking about and you're trying to get must, clicks must i remind you that that same person is the person who's going to go i think we should have hired chip kelly forgetting that chip kelly's first game we lost to boise state not even when they were that great yeah, and had um, a player knock somebody out, <laughs> right? Way more ugly than this. Yeah. That Boise State loss was worse than this one. Yeah, like that's the thing is like in, in terms of absolute drubbing, yeah, this is a top five loss. But like in terms of like the worst loss, yeah, like, I, 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 I should have put it's this, not a top I should, 20. I should have put this in a ca- in categories, right? This is this this game I just felt like this is one of the most helpless I have felt as a, I was just like, we don't even belong out here. Yeah. I can't say that much as an Oregon fan. I can as a Colorado fan. As an Oregon fan, there have been very, very few times where I'm just like, we don't even belong on the same planet yeah. as these guys. Which is, and here's the thing. That's okay. It's fine. It's you fine. don't need to Again, be there. And every I, even year. Te- yeah. I even texted you after. I was like, I'm not saying that we need to burn the whole thing down. I'm not like the world's on fire. I'm not overreacting, but that fucking sucked. It sucked. It really just sucks coming to the realization that, yeah, we're not there. Yeah. We're not there this year. And that's okay. It's yep. fine. They'll get there. Dan Lanning's the guy. A di- two days after that drubbing, they got a four star commit. Yeah. It's fine. Every relax. It, uh, like I said, this is all working the way it needs it to. It just sucks. The thing is, I didn't see an inept team. I saw a hesitant learning team. Yeah, and you can't do that against a team that is as good as fucking Georgia yeah. and expect as soon to as, compete. As soon as I saw that tight end catch the ball for the first time, that looked like a fucking lineman. He's literally LeBron James's size. As he is. Bigger than Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. As soon as I saw him rumbling down the field and hurdling dudes, <laughs> I was like, there's no they're, fucking they're, way. Right, George is in a different fucking uh, stratosphere. Yeah. <laughs> they're on a different planet. It's fine. We're going to lose this game. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I can go back to building my Ikea furniture. I just wanted to like, score it's okay. one time so bad. Oh, God, that fourth down that they didn't convert in the red uh, zone. So I was bad. like, oh, damn it. Yeah. Um. It's fine. Um, don't panic. Oregon fan, don't panic. 10 and 2, my prediction to start the year is looking not great. I said 9 and 3, and I still think that's achievable. 9 and 3 is probably achievable. 10 and 2. 
I think I nine think, I, now. I think I thought uh, I thought I was being like the, nine and three was like eh. I think that's the ceiling my test, now. <laughs> my test for my ten and two is BYU. If they make enough improvements this week and then come out and beat BYU at home, which they absolutely can, Oregon has the third longest home winning streak in the country right now. Mm-hmm. If they come out and beat BYU, they're going ten and two. I don't see Oregon losing two conference games with their schedule. Yeah. I don't see it. Yes. So, BYU's the test. If they lose to BYU, they're not going to beat Utah. Uh, there's at least three losses there at that yes. point. BYU's the test. And that's that's really the game on this schedule that we should have been circling as like, this is the true, what is Oregon going to be this year test? Is that BYU game in two weeks? Agreed. So that that was all about Oregon. There was a lot of other really good football this week. The one game that stood out to me that was shocking was Notre Dame-Ohio State. Yeah. Notre Dame looked really, really good, especially on defense. Okay, so all this did, this whole game, just affirmed to me that I was fucking right about Brian Kelly. Because Marcus Freeman comes out one game, and that team looked... Legit. So Legit. Yes. Brian Kelly is a mid-coach at best. And LSU sucks. And LSU is terrible. <laughs> they lost to a bad Florida State team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jo- in yeah. dramatic fashion. Yeah. That was like one of the craziest finishes to a it football was. game I've it ever seen insanity. in my life. A muffed punt. <clears throat> like two like really long drive touchdowns in a row. And then a fucking touchdown. To t- All you have to do is get an extra point to win the game. And it's the fucking. The guard doesn't step down. The most basic fucking thing, or tackle, whatever. One of the guys just doesn't step down. It's little. You learned that in fucking was the middle second, school. Was the second blocked kick of that game? Yeah, he just he just doesn't even step down to the middle. All right, that's how you lose. That that's oof. yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, Notre Dame was winning at halftime. Yeah. It's 10, 10 to 7 at half. They got shut out in the second half, so Notre Dame clearly has some work to do on offense. But they held Ohio State. This Ohio State team was supposed to be one of the most prolific offensive teams in the history of I college football. And they held Ohio State to 21 points at home. Yeah. That is unbelievably impressive with the trajectory of C.J. Stroud and the rest of that offense. Holy shit. Like, And I hate, like, this, Hate it so much. This tastes like vinegar coming out of good. my mouth, giving Notre Dame any praise. They are good. Yep. And actually worthy of being in the top 10 for once. God, we, that sucks oh, to say. Let's let's maybe hold out on that. Their, but. The, their schedule is tough. Okay, yeah. so I want to... If I was going to give, to to give Notre Dame any other props, they did not skimp out on their schedule. Yeah. At all. Because uh, it's... It's tough. Um, so I'm not saying that they're going to win out. They have BYU, Clemson, USC on there. USC is like a some, late game. That's, it's the last game of the year. USC is going to be firing. At USC, That's gonna gonna be, be a good it's going to be a good game. Um, so anyway, that was that was the game that like surprised me last week. Or the team that surprised me the most, absolutely, was Notre Dame. Uh, Florida also surprised me a little. The fact that it was in the swamp doesn't necessarily surprise me. Utah still should have won that game. Really, really bad decision by Cam Rising on that third down play yep. uh, from the four. 
uh, all they had to do is get in the end zone or even just hold on to the ball and kick a field goal and they like don't make that specific decision and we're at least going to overtime. I um I think I I think Florida's a better team than they're necessarily getting Agreed. credit for. I agree. The with fact that. that they aren't ranked, I think, is kind of stupid. They are now. Yeah. Well, they are. They weren't ranked. I I mean, I had I was higher on Florida than. This week also just shows that preseason rankings are absolute dog shit Garbage. in college football. Garbage. It's all for TV, and I understand why we do it because it totally launches these matchups way up the charts. But it's dog shit. Yeah, and that's why we don't do them until week five. Exactly. Not this show, baby. Not this show. We don't show. pander. We absolutely uh, pander. Team that looked really good <laughs> and is supposed to be good is Michigan. They they played Colorado State, but uh, that was just a curb stomping yep. from the minute that from that game get. started. Um, a lot of these other like NC State. We we talked about NC State in our ACC preview about being really good and potentially being in the top five, maybe college football playoff because their schedule is easy. They beat Eastern Carolina, East Carolina by one point. They should have lost that game. They should have lost that game. Um, so one thing I do want to like kind of point out, and we, we talk about all this and we try to make our kind of predictions going forward. Week one is always psychotic. I Again, like I almost think there should be a preseason. Yeah. I, it's almost unfair. I, I don't want to say unfair in college because really NC State was playing – East Carolina, like that should be a yeah. pretty easy win. But you're talking about some of these teams, and we're talking about Oregon and Colorado, half of the starters on the field had not played college football or were on a different team and are playing a new scheme. The fact that like they get three weeks of fall camp and then they're just thrust into games that matter almost just feels like we need a preseason. It, it could even be one game. Sure, a warm-up. Yeah. And you can play pay the FCS school. You can just make it an FCS game and make it count. If you really want to, just make week one FCS. And I know we say we hate week zero, but I would be fine with a week zero that's the third week in August. But a week zero that doesn't count. Or counts. It's <laughs> All the FBS schools play an FCS school. It's It counts. It's on the schedule. It counts. You pay the FCS yeah, schools. FCS so gets st- their money and yeah, their funding still for the get year. That. <laughs> it's a 13th game, even if you want to go that route. Yeah. But like, get a warm-up against competition that's not practice. Yeah. Because, I don't know, maybe you get a more competitive Oregon-Georgia game, yeah, at least for I, two quarters. I think you absolutely get a more competitive Oregon, even if they score one time. Right. Right, um, you at least get a touchdown out of it. it just yeah. I don't know, just food for thought and throwing things out. Um, Arkansas beat Cincinnati in a one touchdown game. We said that game would be close, and we said Arkansas gets the edge because they were at home. Almost like we know a few things sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, and we had revisionist history in saying that we had no business saying Oregon had anything to do with that game. So, you know, we yeah. were right, wrong, right, wrong, yeah. Uh, Clemson looks to be back to being Clemson. Beat Georgia Tech forty-one to ten, and they actually looked pretty good after the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, again, it's Georgia Tech. It's Georgia Tech, but it's an ACC team. It's not like they True. beat Florida Atlantic. 
Yeah, it's, no, it's true. Yep. They, it is an they AC might, opponent. Florida Atlantic opponent. might be better than Georgia Tech this year. <laughs> okay. Bad example. <laughs> Bethune Cookman. It's not yeah. like they played Bethune Cookman. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but Clemson doesn't look like the team they, they were last year, I guess. Put it that way. All right. Week two matchups. Obviously, we got the marquee matchup, which is game day, and that is Alabama at Texas. Alabama going across the Mississippi shocking. preseason. It's a I don't genuinely know if it's ever shocking. happened. Honestly, I don't know if it's ever happened. It's had to have happened before. Not often. If it has, it's like maybe once or twice. Probably before the they history. were good. Yeah, in like the 60s when they played <laughs> Texas or yeah. something. Um, uh, I think Alabama wins that big. Alabama rolls. I, I, Texas I, is a good team this year. They're a, lot, they're a much improved team. They're not a beat Alabama team. They're not Alabama team. <laughs> there's there's like one team that can beat Alabama, and it's the team that beat Alabama last year in the championship. I can see Ohio State <laughs> beating Alabama. We'll see. Maybe. They have the talent, too. They have the offensive firepower, too. Yeah. I don't know that they I mean, have their the defense rest. is still pretty good, too. Yeah. Like, let's, yeah. Not, let's not discount that. That's fair. <laughs> uh, Arkansas, South Carolina. It's an SEC matchup that's probably worth watching. I would say the games this week are far inferior to what we had last week, just top to bottom. Uh, We got Tennessee at Pitt as the first ranked versus ranked matchup on here. That is going to be a good matchup. That is going to be a very good match, and I'm actually picking Tennessee. I think I am too. I like Tennessee. I'm pretty high on Tennessee. And Pitt struggled with West Virginia. West Virginia is not a bad team by any stretch. But they didn't like Pitt. Clearly, isn't Pitt of last year? Yeah, I forgot that West, uh, West Virginia had um, Keaton Slovis. Totally forgot. I was like, West Virginia is going to suck this year, and then I was like, they have Keaton Slovis, who's a, a very adequate quarterback, very much an upgrade. Um, so I was too low on West Virginia. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, six Pitt, to six. Pitt has Keaton Slovis. <laughs> oh, uh, they have a uh, Jackson Dart, right? They have. Hold on, hold, hold, uh, JT Daniels. One of the USC quarterbacks you were was transferred. You were <laughs> they, they both had USC quarterback yeah. transfers. Where did Jackson Dart go? Uh, good question. Ole Miss? Ole Miss. I think that's right. Jackson. Everywhere, dude. USC was just bleeding quarterbacks for like three years. <laughs> yeah, and they ended up with the best one. Whatever. We'll see. It doesn't matter. We'll see. Jackson Dart is at Ole Miss. Nailed it. There you go. You got it. It's almost like I pay attention to one sport. <laughs> almost you have to like get that. it on your third guess. Um, let's see. Other... No, I knew where he went initially. Well, when no, you're no. right. Other matchups: Colorado <laughs> at Air Force. Colorado is like a 17 point dog. I actually think Colorado covers the spread. I don't think they win. I can be. I'm going to see more improvement this week. They may lose by more just because Air Force has that air raid, and Colorado's secondary is like all freshmen. It's yeah. unbelievable how young that secondary that's how, that's is. That's how Oregon's secondary is, too. It's real bad. Well, I mean, Oregon has at least Christian Gonzalez, who they stole from Colorado. Yeah. But um, it, it could be ugly for Col- Again, Colorado's just kind of fucked with their schedule this yeah. year. They just get no breaks. Um, let's see. Georgia plays Samford. Sanford. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Samford. I know. Not Samford. Stanford. I'm picking Samford. 
I'm, I'm yeah, not picking Sanford. Definitely not. Sanford by two scores. <laughs> uh, another ranked versus ranked. Sanford and four. Ranked versus ranked SEC matchup. Number 20, Kentucky at number 12, Florida. Wow, Florida went from unranked. Florida's going to win that. Yeah, by probably a lot. Um, What else we got in here? Oklahoma State against Arizona State. Oklahoma State. Yes. Not even be close. Yes. Arizona State's bad. Garbage. <laughs> Uh, and then the the prime time. This is probably the best matchup of the day. Number nine Baylor at number twenty one BYU. Good game, Baylor. I agree. Baylor, I'm here for it. You're here for it. Well, I mean, I'm I'm here for Oregon, Eastern Washington, but I'm there in spirit. Baylor's <laughs> winning that one. I think Baylor wins. It's at BYU. Um. I don't think I don't think bad, bad news bears for Oregon if BYU wins that game. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the Agreed. outlook would be, the outlook is not going to be great in eight days. Let's hope, if, yeah. uh, Let's B- hope Baylor <laughs> just waxes BYU, takes him down a peg. <laughs> Forty nine to three sounds pretty good. Or, or I've heard that's a good score. <laughs> no. You don't want them to get drubbed because they're going to come out mad. You want them to lose by like. 13. No, I want them to lose by like 100. So they're just like pounded into submission. And there's like I rethinking their like life choices oh, oh, about enough, playing okay, football. They get, they get drubbed enough to where they all have to take mental health breaks right, for a that's week. That's why I'm like, yeah, I get like they're just yeah. like, I don't even know if I can do this anymore. I don't want to play football I, anymore. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't take that. It's too bad. <laughs> That's what that's it's not, gonna happen. it's not going to happen. <laughs> it might be the only time I root for Baylor in the history of time. I know, right? All right. Uh, all right. Real quick, down and dirty NFL preview. We're just going to pick. Maybe we'll pick the AFC championship game, NFC championship game, and then pick a Super Bowl winner. So AFC championship, who you got? Bills Chargers. Bills Chargers. Who's winning that game? Bills. Okay. Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Who do you got? I like Bills Chargers, but I'm going to take the Chargers. You're just a Oregon homer. All right. Uh, Bills, Charger. Bills, I'm not going to pick the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to win a playoff game this year, but then they're going to lose. Uh, I'm going to pick Bills, Bengals, and I think the Bills are going to win. Okay. NFC. This is a lot tougher. This is a lot tougher. A lot tougher. It's a lot tougher. Um, I. I really want to go. Um, I want to go Green Bay. I kind of, I don't know, man. It's I gotta go Tom Brady. I gotta go Tampa Bay. How do you how do you bet against the fucking guy? I yeah, I don't know if you can. <laughs> I don't think you can. At least to make it the, the conference championship game. Yeah, he, he's pretty much a lock. Yeah. So that's I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Packers Tampa Bay. Cameron. Um, Sounds good, right? Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> well, we were like, oh, who's in that division? <laughs> yeah, I don't pay enough attention to the NFL to fair. even care. That's fair. I'm going to go. I mean, like you said, I can't bet against Tom Brady. I'm actually going to go Cowboys. Wow. And Bucks, which is a, uh, it's going to be a replay of week one on Sunday because mm-hmm. uh, that's the Sunday night football game this week. And I'm going to take the bucks to win that. I'm also going to take the bucks because again, how do you bet against Tom Brady? And then I'm going to take the bills to win the Super Bowl. Same. I like that. 
I think. I you really, picked the Chargers to beat the Bills. So. <laughs> no, but I, I definitely I don't like it. <laughs> that's fair. Cameron's doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> Cameron's out of the NFL picks. All right. That's what we got for the NFL. We will dig in deeper. We just went down like Ooh, 18... We should do surprise team letdown team real quick. Yes. Surprise team, Carolina Panthers. I think they're going to be better than people think they are. I agree with that, um, but I'm not going to pick them as my surprise team out of the NFC. My surprise team out of the NFC is going to be the I had this and I totally am blanking. You know what? Fuck it. I'll go with the Panthers too. I had somebody else, <laughs> but I can't think of it right now. And we're okay, like, let down team. Let down team real quick is the Rams. I'm going Bengals. I don't think they repeat. Fair enough. You guys know your stuff. No, probably not. We're probably we're probably going to be way off. On here's that. the thing. If we're doing this for college football, I think we'd have, we'd have a lot better of a take on this. NFL, mostly pure conjecture. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's a shotgun approach for yeah. me. <laughs> most of that is probably I'm just the popular, spaghetti at a wall, my guy. And the popular <laughs> picks if you were read ESPN articles. Okay, <laughs> um, that's where we're at. Ooh, I'm gonna change my surprise team to the Lions. Oh, that's that's who I was thinking. Yeah, I'm gonna change my surprise team to the Lions. That's honestly who I was thinking. Did you watch Hard Knocks? No, I haven't watched an episode of Hard Knocks. You should watch Hard Knocks. Okay, I will watch Hard will, Knocks, but... It will also solidify you in that. You watch Hard Knocks like, this team's going to win it all, right? Nah, I don't know about <laughs> that, but you tend to be like, oh, they're... You know more about them. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like Oregon and our... Whatever. Um, that's how it goes. Damn, that was... Whatever. Doesn't matter. All right. Long episode this week. That's what happens when you get us in the same room. Like, you think we talk a lot when we're on a video call? We, we edit ourselves so much on the podcast. It's unbelievable. Well, it's just like, I, don't, it's, I don't, like, physically cut out a lot of stuff, but we, like, hurry through topics. Well, it's surprising. It's just easier when you're on Zoom call or whatever to, like, just move on because it's kind of organic that way. Well, it's hard. If I'm it's in here talking, to, like going, you yeah. guys should just be in a room when Eli and I just start talking about college. <laughs> That's probably unbearable. Cameron's probably. Uh, I mean, you gave me 24 minutes of Formula One, pretty so, good, yeah, which is pretty solid, and I could just keep going. Well, the hip, 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 and we boy. usually can too, which we did. This is how it goes sometimes. But listener, Cameron, <laughs> you're the guest host this week. You're going to get the buzzer beater. So, Ooh, yeah, good call. Listener, thank you for tuning in. We love you. It was a long episode this week, but we thank you for listening and tuning in. Share with your friends. Tune into some Zeta June. Thank you for using all of our music and all of that good stuff. Until next time, Cameron. Please give us the buzzer beater. So, Cameron, our buzzer beater, since you may not listen to the end of the episode, is just your final thought on the episode. The final shot, you try to swish. All right? Cameron, give us that buzzer beater. Football's back. Take all the time you can. Be with the people that you love. And just enjoy some sports. The last little bits of summer we have. Deuces. Deuces.